and welcome to the 21st annual, yes, the podcast can drink now, award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh, Don, no, please don't kill me. I'm not a podcaster. I'm nothing. I'm navel-lint. I have to lie to woman about being a podcaster to get laid. And I don't score much. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. I mean, would a podcaster pee himself, huh? I'm not worth the bullet. Oh, mercy, Don. Oh, okay. I think we could go now. I think that was I think that was that was funny. And that's like, our show. Everyone is like, boy, have you seen Academy Academy running about three plus hours? That one was minute and a half, and it was good. It yeah, may have been one of their best ones. Good episode. Good. Yeah, you know, we got off the air and we we're like, man, I think we're really hitting our stride. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do that every episode now. Yeah, it's going to be a thing. There'll be yep. demands. Uh, that, of yep. course, a play on uh, our beloved Bill Paxton, the Simon character from last week's episode about True Lies. Oh, man. Yeah. What a great what a great character. Still thinking about that guy after all yes. these weeks. Yeah, that's the thing about True Lies. It might be might have been the lightest weight one, but it's like six years. You're like, that was fun. Next yeah. time, I'd like to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I want to stay in that elevator with the horse. Yeah, uh, pardon my horse. My horse, yeah. My horse is getting tired. <laughs> the fact that Arnold almost... I almost believed that the movie would make Arnold and the horse jump across the building. I almost... That is a very special movie that makes you believe that he would try that and make... He would have made it. Obviously, they're not going to kill him and the horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the horse would probably. <laughs> I was imagining. I was imagining in my head that the movie would like he'd do it, and then he would like leave the horse mm-hmm. and kind of jump up. Oh, the... and Cameron would do a cut back to the horse getting out of the pool and maybe snacking on one of the appetizers that's out at that poolside bar that they've landed in. Yeah, see, that's like the a thing. carrots out or something like see, that. Yeah, Cameron, because like Cameron, you'd think for a second, oh no, Cameron doesn't like this horse, but then you pan no, down. The and... horse would get a funny moment. Some babes would be around it, like petting <laughs> yeah. him or something like that. <laughs> they're treating, the, they're be treating like... the horse like the Budweiser dog. Yeah, it'd be like a beer commercial. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just don't know um obviously we need to get to this week's movies but my i have one further like thought here is like so if that action scene was to continue at that point in the movie he's jumped a horse from building to building what is the next set piece that cameron does to top any of that that has happened before <laughs> uh... I, I, he's gotta go like hang gliders Something yeah. like that, or uh, bungee jumping, do like a pre-tenant kind of thing where they're doing bungee jumping. Yeah, or they're just on, they're they're climbing, they're on the side of the building. They're on the side, like the, somehow the oh. horse has like little like, I don't know how that would work uh, with the horse. Mission, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Yes. Type action scene. Yeah, Sudden, suddenly they're at the Burj Khalifa, even though mm-hmm. that hasn't been made for 20 years. What if, um... What if there was a convenient train station right next door to this hotel and we got into some train to train jumping across uh, cars on a chase and the train get like unstoppable. The uh, Denzel Washington, Chris Pine, Tony Scott 
movie that I love so much. Ooh, like yeah. it turns into one of those. Obviously, we're talking another $40 million and probably another 25 minutes of screen time, but it's Cameron and Arnold, so it Come seems on. plausible. But that, that'd be fun. Yeah, no trains in that movie. That was the only um, trains and perhaps a speedboat. Like, uh, oh, that'd be good. Speedboat. Yeah, they that hotel's near a larger body of water than just that swimming pool. A jet ski. <laughs> a jet ski. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, as we mentioned on the last episode, obviously they will be in a post 9 11 world. No true lies, too. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger nearing his mid 70s is probably not going to make that happen either. But yeah. we, we can dream and fantasize about what would have happened in True Lies 2 and what Jim and Arnold and Arnold and Jamie Lee would have uh, blown up oh, and man. ridden and, done, and, and told jokes about afterwards. Uh, yeah, perhaps we, perhaps we there would dream. have been an Arnold sons. Oh, a, a Tom Arnold sons, not an Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's already had his sons. Arnold yeah, Schwar- he, he's his his whole career was a son. He's I've, good. I've lived many sons. <laughs> that was the title of his uh, second book. I think his first uh, autobiography, I believe, was just called like "I'll Be Back" or, or something like. It was yeah. a direct line from one of the Terminator movies because he rules. He knows his audience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he- uh, but this week, okay, so last week we had mentioned, we talked about the two two of the greatest action movies ever made, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and True Lies. Um, interestingly enough, Patrick had never seen those. I've, we've talked a bit before about Patrick and I's age difference, so I mentioned that they were such a big part of my childhood. But today's movies, uh, we're, flip, we're turning the tables. These are two that Patrick had seen before and I had never seen before. Oddly enough, though, these are also the two highest, like the two highest grossing movies of all time. So it's a strange thing to have missed these two movies. And it kept crossing my mind as I watched both of them for the first time. And I was kind of thinking about like feeling nostalgia for something you never experienced. Does if that makes sense? Because no, it, uh, it, it crossed my mind in both of these one of them more than the other um but we'll get into that in a moment but like are there any like in your life i mean obviously you were pretty young when terminator 2 came out that's a little different but was there can you think of anything in your life patrick that um came out when you're kind of i don't know teenager or older than that and kind of had the ability to choose what culture you imbibed and that kind of thing that you like willfully missed and then watched later on or something, something to that extent. Okay. I get you. So like something that like, it was like a big sensation that I decided to opt out of essentially. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, a game of Thrones or, you know, something like that. Mm, that's a, that's a toughie. I feel like, um, what, uh, listeners out there, let us know, um, if you have one of these in your life too. It's, it's weird. It's so funny. Cause like, I feel like by the time, I was like 16 or 17. I feel like culture had become super bifurcated. Mm-hmm. Not as bifurcated as it was now, but like I feel like like I missed out on like I feel like Lost was like uh, the last thing that like I feel like I took part in en mass with a bunch of people at that uh-huh. cuz like I don't even think Game of Thrones like ever reached the heights of like you know I, uh, just to put it this way, I remember like someone saying on a podcast that like the Chevy Chase, uh, the short-lived Chevy Chase talk show, 
uh, was canceled after like a, a year on TV or whatever that like it, it canceled it because it was like averaging like 15 million viewers. <laughs> and that was like absolute sh- like to absolute shit back then. And then to give you an idea of like what viewership is now, this is us like the probably the highest rated TV show currently on air. It's like a phenomenon, like the phenomenon show that one and like uh, the, the doctor show with Freddie Highmore. That gets like 12 million or 11 million it's, viewers. Yeah, it yeah. Big ba- wasn't Big Bang like 10 to 12? Yeah, I think no. Big Bang was 10 to 12. But I think it like there were I think there were points though where it would get like 18 or 20. I think yeah. there were some seasons. Um, but I mean like Seinfeld and Cheers averaged over 20. Like period. Yeah. No, the entire it, way. I mean Cheers, like the Cheers finale had like 75 million people watch it or some crazy number. That's never again. That's never going to happen ever again. We're a divided nation. Yeah, I mean, we need, we need, I think we might need the gang from Cheers to get back together to help us out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I watched, I, I'm old enough to have watched the Cheers finale. I watched when it. Aired. Oh. And um, there was a pre show where the entire cast went to the real Cheers in boston mm-hmm. and they must have been there for a few hours before the pre-show started because they're all like completely shit-ass drunk <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a wonderful like that's one of the great when you're a kid and like yeah there's something up with norm right now yeah. well norm's actually drunk don <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, to answer your question though quickly, uh, mm-hmm. I can't think of any movies off the back of my head. Like I never, I've never seen an episode of CSI. I've never seen an episode of NCIS. I've never seen an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Hmm. I think all the major like TV shows that were big, like I've, I've missed out on like all that. That yeah, that's good. yeah. Did you ever watch any of that? Because uh, I, I watched I, Law and Order. I've seen. Um, I've never seen a CSI, and I've never seen an NCIS. I did. I did watch. How I Met Your Mother, um, pretty much all the way through. Pretty much live, I've heard all the way through too. I've heard it's good. It's, it's all right. I mean, I have a feeling it was more appealing to me in my twenties mm. and early thirties, and as being like kind of single or dating than it would be now in my life uh, zone. But you know, you know they re- they re- I I, enjoy- I enjoyed it at the time. Nice. Hey, they reclaimed the name Barney uh, from the dinosaur, and now horny people can be named Barney. Yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, Joe Biden put out an executive order about that. <laughs> that's, that's true. No more dinosaur. Hey, Jack. Uh, <laughs> Bar- if you're named Barney, you better be horny. Listen, Mac. When I was a kid, there was only one kind of thing that was called a Barney, and that was a horny guy, Jack. <laughs> We called him Barney's. Called him Barney's, Jack. I was down at the swimming pool and I had a cup of ice cream and I said, Listen, Mac, you're acting like a real Barney. Lay off. Yeah. See that Barney dropping a Mickey? You gotta go, Jack. You gotta yeah, go. I sucked him one of the kisser. He thought twice. <laughs> oh man. Oh my goodness. But yeah, uh, you know, I think it is kind of like I, I will say like for me, at least on one of these, it was a very conscious choice mm-hmm. to kind of like be a um, kind of contrarian and vocal contrarian. Mm-hmm. The other one I just kind of missed, which is an odd thing to say because it is the um, highest grossing movie of all time as of this week. Um, but uh, let's just jump into it here. Yeah, because uh, we can kind of filter in some of these vibes and feelings and stories. Uh, yeah. The first movie we're obviously talking about is 1997's Titanic. Oh yeah. Um, 
It was released toward the end of the year in 1997, budgeted at the time, again, the most expensive movie ever made, $200 million. And as of today, it has made $2.195 billion. Um, <laughs> this movie's a freaking smash. I like in all ways, shapes, and form. It was a complete... So I was in high school in 1997, and it was a complete and all-encompassing thing for months on end in the hallways of Bishop Blanchett High School in Seattle, Washington. Girls, posters in their lockers. It was talked about all the time. I think we probably wrote a couple articles in the school paper about it. Um, the soundtrack, uh, completely unavoidable. Um and in 1997, Don's Eyes, I think I've mentioned it before, I was far more interested in telling people how good Fargo was or how good LA Confidential was or even Goodwill Hunting, for okay. that matter. And I did not see Titanic. I, in fact, celebrated because the Titanic uh, was number one at the box office for, I believe, a record something like 12 weeks, which is an incredibly long period of time um it actually despite opening in december its biggest single day was actually valentine's day about two months later which is just in again going back to what patrick was saying about kind of cultural shifts and cracking and separate that is almost unthinkable oh in today's kind of uh kind like of standards but it happened. Yeah, the only the only movie I can think of in the last like ten years with a similar trajectory is, I guess, the Greatest Showman. <laughs> I th- I'm not even kidding. Oh, it, yeah, I mean, it had like of... a but like but it's like a such on a, but on a, such a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah, infinitely smaller. Like yeah, nothing else. Like yeah, also obviously not the but the, same uh, the idea of kind of like the playing forever, the kind of like. Like a film having legs. Yes. Yeah. Because like, yeah, because people have like the slowest or the quickest, pardon me, geez, um, kind of the ability to move on these days to the next thing. And Titanic was just there forever. I will never forget the movie that dethroned it from number one at the box office. Here's a fun fact that I remember from the moment. The Wedding Singer. With Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And I, of course, as we, we've talked many times, huge, huge fan of the Sandman, especially in oh, high yeah. school. And uh, I was so excited. I believe I even came to school and said Sandler was finally the man to sink the Titanic. I was so excited. Oh. <laughs> what, a little, what a little stinker in retrospect. Uh, but peak, peak stinker energy, peak stinker but I love energy. it. I got, I got sent to the... I got sent to the... Uh, office in elementary school for recreating a particularly uh, risque scene from the water boy in art class <laughs> excellent excellent yeah i screamed the word asshole a bunch <laughs> <laughs> and my my substitute art teacher did not like that oh my goodness <laughs> oh, but man. um i once uh, oh go ahead I, uh, also, Sorry. I was just to say too one time uh i had a uh, i went i'm jewish i went to like a jewish elementary school and one time uh, our class my first grade class, we made our Hebrew teacher so mad that she had to go outside and smoke a cigarette. 
That's good. Okay, that's all. That's all I have to oh, say. <laughs> God, God bless the teachers. This older guys and now are like, oh, we know what you put. You know what you poor people go through, and you still keep coming back. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you to the teachers. Sorry for yeah. sorry for contributing to your lung cancer. Uh, oh, I hope. Knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood. Maybe I'll edit that out. Maybe yeah, I won't. it's fine. Hopefully, yeah, we're good. Hopefully, they're okay. But yeah. um, <laughs> so yeah, so this was you know we're talking. 24 years later i finally see this movie and i i think before we get into the production and you know the stuff that we've been doing for this cameron series yeah i'll just come out and say like i really liked it like i really really liked it but i had a really um kind of profound emotional reaction to it that didn't have a lot to do with the story being presented on screen but it kind of was this feeling of almost like like a whole like i said earlier kind of nostalgic for something that never happened but kind of like a hole in time that is now just being filled that should have just been taken care of long i should have seen this movie when i was in high school i should have seen this movie with friends i should have not been afraid to cry at the end because <laughs> Yeah, everyone could be able to cry in this movie. It's designed for you to cry at the end of it. Uh, um, it's, yeah, I don't know, like, if it's like, it's weird for a movie that is kind of like trying to be everyone to everything to everyone that I'm saying that I feel more mature in my taste that I can admit to liking it. But I don't know if like, I think I was trying so hard to be contrarian, so hard, like, to watch the like the indie movie the kind of the dark quote dark movie that was always nominated for the oscars every year and kind of rooting for that one that to appreciate something like this it's only something i maybe could realize as someone who's a little bit older and be like wow like the mechanics behind that the fact that it all worked so well mm-hmm. is really really impressive yeah no and uh I totally understand where you're coming from with the contrarian uh, angle. Cause I think I had a little bit of that as well in high school. I think it was also a little easier for me in high school to be a contrarian because all the popular movies of my time were so bad. Like it was very easy to go against the grain cause the grain, like it was like transformers and mm-hmm. twilight. And I guess like you could, be a little contrary like, i guess like harry potter like i guess that's like the that would be like the most contrarian thing and uh but still i think it was like it's easy i think i think like uh i think yeah titanic is a movie that i never really gave that much credence to and i was always one of those people too that was like oh the ending sucks like the ending makes it so stupid they should have shared the wooden thing and fuck <laughs> that that's wrong i was Everyone who th- they don't get it. They haven't seen the damn movie. Yeah. It's like we'll talk about Avatar too. How everyone's like Avatar is dances with wolves, but yeah. with blue. Go- they're they're different. They're very different. <laughs> I mean, like and it, and like like it shares more with I guess Ferngully maybe, yeah. but like it's, it's they're different movies. But uh, I don't know. It's- he he is, he understands and he does cherry pick what works. Yeah. In other movies, it's just like, in particular in Titanic, it really is kind of like everything coming together in the Mm -hmm. absolute peak 
version of kind of a disaster romantic melodrama. Um, yeah. I did want to say, I read and I, I am a, a huge, huge fan of the filmmaker Robert Altman. He has two movies in my personal top 20 wow. of all time, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, The Long Goodbye. I love McCabe I and he, Mrs. Miller. Yeah, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think he's, but what he said about Titanic, he called it the most dreadful piece of work I've ever seen in my entire life. And what I say to that, Bob, lighten up. You know what that, <laughs> you know what that is? That's some Terry Gilliam horseshit. Yeah. That's like, some like uh, Schindler's List fucking suck. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, and, I, and, and it's easier, like, uh, you know, we can talk Schindler's List another time. But uh, probably we'll get to it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, when we do the, the Neeson bracket. Uh, yeah. Never, uh, in the future, maybe. But uh, but like just Robert Altman, like. That's just that's being a troll. That's just trolling. Yeah, it it it's it's pointless. I mean, like he, yes, it's very different. It's not as um, provocative Mm-mm. as Altman's movies um, are, but at the same time, like this gets back to kind of a conversation we had even at the top of this thing where we were talking about like breaking the waves and aliens, like. Mm. There are many, many different ways to be successful and interesting in making a movie. I think this movie is interesting because it's emotionally engaging. Like, and I think we could probably, oh, and I wanted to say Pauline Kael, who had already retired by this point as the New Yorker film critic, she said uh, Titanic was square in ways people seem to have been longing for. Kind of an underhanded dig, but kind of true. Well, and here's the thing, Because it is a square movie. It's totally square, but, like, when people in North Korea are buying movies on the black market to watch, they're not buying uh, Nashville. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're buying Titanic, and and it's a testament to James Cameron's skills as a director, and as you've said before, someone who, like, understands, like, just audiences in general, mm-hmm. uh, how a, a three and a half hour movie about the fucking Titanic is quite possibly, is like one of the, not only one of the highest grossing movies of all time, but one of the most universally appreciated movies of all and time. I'm going to say it's shockingly not boring for uh, being three hours and 15 minutes long. It, it moves. It's which is crazy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fun and like it's like uh there's so many weird side characters and they're all entertaining and there's so much shit you happening. care about all, every single character he gives line to yeah when that ship starts going down you are concerned for every single one of them oh, and man. in your heart of hearts too you're already heartbroken because you know that they're not gonna make it no for the most part Especially like most of like Leo's friends, that wonderful scene where um, he takes her downstairs to go dancing and drinking beer and stuff like that. A really, really lively scene. But I wanted to get to, um, I guess we should talk about the Marvel movies as well yeah. in this conversation. And we have, we've kind of avoided them because the Marvel movies kind of are linked to Cameron in a strange way because they are kind of the blockbusters at the same level kind of that crowd pleasing thing but i think there is a um 
like a, a, a frictionless, a, 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 um, a very clean, very um, sanitized. That, that's the yes, word I was like looking sterile, for. Sanitized, feel, yeah. sterile, sterile. That's sterile feel to them that when we're at the end of the Avengers Endgame, when Robert Downey Jr. is, you know, making his sacrifice, you know, I don't know why I don't feel anything in that moment. And I felt, and in this one, and in Avatar, and in all of Cameron's movies, go back to Terminator 2, similar sacrifices are made because I think it's necessary to drama and kind of keeping people really hooked at the at these epic levels. You know, rarely does the hero make it in a big epic adventure like this. I, I don't know. He, he humanizes at a level. It's not just like, like everything that Jack is in this movie is... Um, there's like a grounded quality to him that Robert Downey's character in uh, the Marvels never reaches. Yeah. He's always Robert Downey cracking quips and being great. Like Jack tries everything to save himself in this movie and him and Rose and, you know, everything. It's just, I don't know why it was more, it's more emotionally engaging. Why Cameron seems to get that a little bit more than the Marvel movies do. And I don't know if it's like, because his movies feel more handcrafted Mm. oddly enough. Like when he talks about like the shoot times and like the intensity of the productions, you feel it on screen with all of his movies, you know, what kind of effort was put in. And in the Marvel films, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, and I, I, I don't want to disparage them. There's a lot of really talented people who work on all of those films, and they make a lot of people very happy. And I just don't think they met, like reach my emotional taste mm-hmm. necessarily, which has nothing to do with quality per se. But there is this feeling in the Cameron movies, especially Titanic, that for as cheesy as it is, it's so the effort is right there on screen and that might put some people off, but I kind of embrace it. Well, I think it's like effort. And I think the thing that differentiates the Marvel movies too, from the Cameron films is that even though there is this huge universal, these films are wild, like wildly universal. They're also, I think you said this, even in uh, what you were saying earlier, like they're deeply personal Mm -hmm. and like, yes. And just like a, a testament to that. One of my favorite aspects about this movie is actually like the, the beginning or like the pre- the present day stuff how like the bill paxton's assistant in this is like lewis abernathy who is like a friend of like james Cameron. he's not even like a real actor he's just like a like person. He's diving buddy yeah and it's like that's yeah. like that's like james cameron's omar doom mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just and it's so he's so good he's so much fun and, and all the people that are surrounding them are the real crew members from the boat that they were doing their real dives from the people who are surrounding Bill Paxton. Like those are the, all the extras are real crew members. Wow. Yeah. And I think too, cause um, it's very like what Bill Paxton says at the end of the movie. And this is a nice sexual transition in kind of the pre-production stage. Bill Paxton saying he never quite understood the human aspect of the Titanic tell she told her story and um you know that gets to actually kind of something very um personal because i don't think cameron 
did either because basically what he explained is that he's very interested in shipwrecks he's very interested in deep sea diving he's very interested in being underwater as we all as we know from his previous films regular Um, water boy yeah and so basically he wanted to um do it not because he particularly wanted to make this movie because he wanted to dive the shipwreck and then he did and in seeing kind of the weight of you know, especially I believe when he got it was when he got back up to recognize that it was kind of, it was also a graveyard of eighteen hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, to personal to make that real, like I don't know, have you ever been to like I don't know, I've been to places like I've been to Gettysburg before. I've mm-hmm. been to like like sites of like conflicts or sites of um, atrocities or what have you. Um, yeah. It's easy to kind of like forget that when you're there, when you're just a kid on a field trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. And kind of having that retrospective feeling like, like the overwhelming, like, oh my goodness, this actually like happened here. Like, the, and that seems to be exactly what Cameron went to mm-hmm. after he did these dives. And, um, you know, he, he basically went to the 20th century Fox executives who that was where he had his big deal with, and pitched it as Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic, which boy succinct. Yeah, very <laughs> good. It's what a, a what a uh, great elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, uh, okay, three hour romantic epic. Uh, that's great. Are there any Harrier jets, shootouts, or car chases? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how does like, how does Tom Arnold factor into this? Yeah. Uh, so they were a little dubious, but because they wanted to be in the Jim Cameron business. They greenlit it. Um, so what he did, which is very camera move to kind of add to publicity about it to get kind of the ball rolling, mm-hmm. is he publicized all of the dives that he took, which is also a wonderful excuse to, for him to like get the chance to take the dives on 20th Century Fox's money. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like? Was it four million or four hundred thousand that they spent on dives? I think it was four mil. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little bit closer. Um, of course, there was a couple moments of terror in which they didn't think they were coming back up. Because yeah. uh, it wouldn't be James Cameron movie if he didn't feel he was really killed in the process of it. But it, it very um, he it wasn't until actually after they sh- did all of the underwater shots that he wrote this, began writing the screenplay. But I think that's probably helpful because, like we said, it was kind of this the emotional impact. If he had tried before, he'd had the emotional impact of seeing the actual sight himself. I don't know if the movies, the emotional beats of the movie would have gotten there at the same level. I think well, he was able to transit, like, trip, move that into that feeling. Yeah. Well, like, I think, like, too, like, they do a great job of illustrating, like, pre emotional impact, post emotional impact. They have, like, this scene with um, Gloria Stewart, who's, like, you know, Rose uh, in present day. And uh, yeah. Lewis is, like, by the way, Lewis is, like, wearing a shirt with, like, a smiley face with, like, a bullet <laughs> going through it. And while he's doing that, he's, like, that's about right. And he's showing, he's showing her, like, this graphic of, like, the of the Titanic getting sunk, like kind of like a, you know, kind of like a very basic 3D model of the Titanic. It's like, oh, and there's the water coming up. Oh, and this is like, no, Magusta. Like, he's just, it'd be yeah. like if a dude in like a Punisher t-shirt uh, very casually explained 9-11 to a survivor. Like someone years, who was there. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's 
it's like very the old lady was like i guess that's one way of explaining this it was very fun very silly 100 percent um yeah oh and i you know i brock love it with great great freaking treasure hunter name oh totally and an earring paxton yeah yeah (laughs) earring he's he's got a great look we'll just give him that yeah uh he's awesome and it's like it's such a um He's definitely, I feel like Cameron's surrogate mm-hmm. in this film. Uh, Cameron seems to have surrogates, like yes. many kind of auteurist type directors. Um, but I think he's so essential to um, our connection because he's getting exposition delivered at him. It's kind of cheesy mm-hmm. exposition, but Paxton is such a good actor that when the camera pans across his face and he's so invested. Mm-hmm. in the story and he's changing because you know he's brock brock lovett man of treasure and adventure yeah at the t- and cock, cocky asshole at the top of the thing at the mm-hmm. end he's humbled oh totally. and only bill paxton can do that uh, but, yeah. like almost every other actor wants to be cooler by the end mm-hmm. of a movie bill paxton's perfectly fine being humbled by the end of many things that he's been in and that's like, what makes him cool just, yeah, he's so cool, such a team player. We love him. He's an angel. Um, so they basically, once Cameron had the script, as we, we've also learned, Cameron is big on um, kind of casting outside the normal realm of um, like the talent, the talent pool that suggests to him. Obviously, his movies are among the like the most expensive movies around, usually the most expensive. So he's kind of has the opportunity to. Um, mm-hmm. Pick, pick and choose whoever he feels like. But in these two movies in particular, he decides to go um, pretty outside the box. Oh, yeah. And if you could believe it, Leonardo DiCaprio in 1996 was a little outside the box. Uh, today, obviously, he's pretty much the biggest star going, so big difference. But, uh, you know, in 19... he They were looking at a lot of the different young actors to play these parts i mean wonderful stories like i have written down matthew mcconaughey chris o'donnell billy crudup steven dorf apparently um tom cruise inquired about the part god billy crudup uh jared Jared leto refused to audition but they were interested they were cameron was actually interested in him jeremy sisto a series of screen tests wow and um then they they took a look at uh leo who was not as known he was coming off of um an oscar nomination though for what's eating gilbert grape he'd done mm-hmm. the basketball diaries already he's obviously he shows all he kind of had cornered the market in kind of the um angry young man kind of roles he hadn't done he had signed on but this is an important part of my high school experience too uh the year before titanic was released or very shortly before was uh basil lerman's romeo and juliet which kind of the one-two punch of these two movies sent everyone i went to high school with into full-scale leo mania zone like talk about teen heartthrob and sent me to be um not a fan of his until probably gangs of New York. <laughs> 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 but he, um, 
lived up to his reputation when he showed up for uh to read and audition and talk about the part he was a total punk and uh you know i mean you know he's pretty notorious he's may or may not we don't know he's a mysterious guy if he's slowed down or not in his yeah. older days uh some reports seem to suggest it some don't seem to at all mm-hmm. but uh basically he told he he didn't want to do the part also uh interesting this exact same time period paul thomas anderson was taking a hard look at leo to play dirk diggler in <sighs> boogie nights and leo ended up taking titanic over boogie nights and uh anderson went with uh, leo's basketball diaries co-star mark Wahlberg, because he was impressed with the entire young cast of the basketball diaries um but in alternate world leo dicaprio is dirk diggler and who knows you know if his star ascends to the same level because titanic is a, a star apart Oh, yeah. We'll put it that way. It um, totally solidifies him as an A-list celebrity. Yeah. And, and so I guess... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, just and Kate Winslet. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about her in a moment because she was a little more enthusiastic about the part than he was. And I guess um, Cameron to tell him, like, <laughs> this guy is not brooding. He's not neurotic. Don't give him a tick. He doesn't limp. Yeah. None of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, none of this stuff, yeah. <laughs> He's like he's a Gary Cooper, James Stewart, yep. old school leading man. And he basically told him that um, this is going to be harder for you as an actor. So consider it that kind of challenge. And that, I think, opened up because I think at that point in his career, he definitely believed and he might still, for all I know, believe that like good acting means the hardest mm-hmm. acting and to be just effervescent and young and full of life. And that was one thing I just noticed about both of them that kind of made, like I was talking about nostalgia and memory and time to see them so young yeah, and so effervescent and so just alive mm-hmm. was very moving and also maybe quite sad in a weird way. Cause like, I was just like, boy, time, even, even for these two waits for no one. Yeah. It's just I- like, cause they're so, young and beautiful and their chemistry is just um absolutely off the chart in this film yeah and and it's wild how these roles are very broad and in the wrong hands like oh, oh yeah man, like when you said chris o'donnell like i cringed a little bit imagine how bad that role would be no offense like chris o'donnell he's been great and like i like him in uh, vertical limit i like him in vertical limit yeah but uh man it's just you need someone with star power and we might talk about it actually comparing it to avatar shortly here but um oh yeah that'll be because they these two both have it oh they They just and you know i mean like you could go through all of like yeah the ticks and like the acting choices and moves and that kind of thing but when he like smiles at her, mm-hmm. you keep, that is a God given gift. Yeah. Like that is not like very a handful of people in the history in the history of the world have had that, and they you know in the movies, and that's what mm-hmm. makes him him. And the other thing I was thinking about too was how disappointing it is that he's actually never done a very traditional leading man part since. Mm-hmm. Like 
just like you know a good guy who does not have you know a good earnest guy basically well, he, he, he ever since he's always played darkness well he's I great think, at it oh totally but, I think there's like just not a lot of those roles anymore too. I think that is like a dying. That's true. Like, That's I don't, true. Like, it is. Yeah. Has there been a film oh. like Titanic made in the last like twenty years in America by like an America like a major motion pitch, picture like something of this scope? That's not like a superhero movie or uh, something of that ilk. They've tried superhero movies, but even those have this kind of uh, Whedon Watiti distance humored like there's no ironic humor yeah, in Titanic I, yeah, yeah, at exactly. all which rules I yeah like it's that. all it's great like yeah. i love how earnest it I, is yeah even like stuff like even stuff that i should hate like uh like was it leonardo dicaprio's uh, like italian friend fabrizio who is essentially like a proto borat like this character is like <laughs> this character like i think sasha baron cohen was watching this in his flat or something and was like i'm gonna Turn this person from Italian to Eastern European, and but I loved him, and I missed oh. it, and I was sad when he when he and he bit it in a heroic and then sad way. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, no, huh. it like I felt bad when he got hit by the and like oh man, the baddies escape. I know. Well, we'll get we will get to Billy Zane. Oh. We will get to him okay, momentarily. Yeah. Here. I want to talk Zane. I, yeah, we got to we got to talk Zane. Zane Zane Mania Zane, Zane, Zane Zane. We got I'm Zane a, Mania here. We're, we're Zane freaks. We got to. Oh, <laughs> unironically, I like him. But oh, we'll he, get there. We'll he's get great. There. We'll get yeah. there. I'll, I'll, I gotta keep. I gotta keep it close to my. Okay. Uh, focus, focus. Everybody's like on the edge of their seats now that we even at the mention of Zane. Oh. Um. But so basically, the story like the first screen test, they uh, Kate Winslet shows up prepared, very ready to go, very enthusiastic, mm-hmm. and she walks in, and DiCaprio slumped over on the sofa, in the room smoking a cigarette, just whining, oh, and and she's like, "Oh, who is this guy?" And then, because I've heard this about him in for his other roles too, that he has a switch like no one else, like. Basically, the second the cameras roll in, the second they call action, mm-hmm. all of his prima donna or whiny star, sullen teenager bullshit that he was doing mm-hmm. is just gone. And he's in. And you're like, oh, that's why we want him. He might be kind of a prick. Like, when we turn off, I don't believe he's like this anymore at all. But back yeah. when he was like 21. Yeah. Um, Very easy to be that back then. Yeah, it's easy when you're, you know, like on top of the world at on twenty one. Yeah, at top of the world <laughs> twenty one. Yeah, um, but he, um, and even even Kate was was like, okay, this guy, he's a. What did she say? Um, it's like, yeah, if you she don't, said you don't... He, she said he's great. Even if you don't pick me, pick him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and by the way, all the, like the woman that worked at uh, James Cameron's oh, yeah. office, I believe, like everyone, yes. like they all came to see Leonardo DiCaprio, and that's and when he James was skeptical. Was... He was yeah. skeptical until then. He's like, "Oh, wait a second, he's a little bit. Uh, ah. He might have something." Um, yeah, yeah. The flip side of that, uh, Kate Winslet uh, was around twenty-two when mm-hmm. she was went out for this. She really, really wanted it. She. Uh, really put down a lot for it. Uh, Cameron was concerned because she had already done things like she was nominated for an Oscar already for Sense and Sensibility, and her nickname was Corset Kate. 
corset Kate. Ooh, that's rude. like a David Letterman type thing. Yeah. <laughs> rude, rude, rude. rude. Um, <laughs> Very rude. So, and he didn't want um, something people had seen basically before. Like she plays fancy. She plays fancy women of a different time. Uh, they apparently looked at Gwyneth Paltrow, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, Gabriel Anwar. Uh, wow. Reese Witherspoon were all considered. Uh, Claire Danes, I'm sure, would have turned it down because, unlike Kate Winslet, her experience with Leo on Romeo and Juliet, she was not charmed and apparently hated his guts. Um, He's like, there's like some stories too in the Titanic. He is like, he is this is like peak stinker DiCaprio. He's he's a little bit of a stinker. He's a, he's a, a bit of a baby, but yeah, he's. He, at the end of the day, though, you watch it like uh, it's good. I, I don't, you don't want to vouch for the bad behavior, but you're like, ooh, this is pretty good. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it, no, totally. It is like one of those scenarios. But she apparently sent Cameron a single rose with a card signed "From Your Rose" and lobbied him by phone. You don't understand. I am Rose. I don't know why you're even seeing anyone else. And uh, her <laughs> persistence, as well as her talent, eventually convinced him to cast her in the role. Mm-hmm. Um. And as we know, her and, uh, you know, I think she was an important person for DiCaprio to meet because she seems like a kind of person who won't take any, wouldn't take any of his shit. And that, I think, combined with meeting Scorsese later on for Gangs of New York helped uh, push him toward a more mature direction. Uh, but we should probably, so we've got our two leads. We should probably, we're going to race through a little bit. We've already talked Paxton. Gloria Stewart, who uh, is playing the 101-year-old Rose, um, you know, nominated for an Oscar for it. And she they said she was very spunky and wouldn't put up with anybody's uh, shit on set. She didn't like James Cameron <laughs> telling her to come out and shoot a scene at like 2 in the morning. She yeah. told him straight up no. Which, and, he, you know, he listened. He would not listen to most, but he listened. Um, the great Kathy Bates Oh, film. so good in this movie. Wonderful. I love I love Kathy Bates in this movie. That's like a character that I thought I would hate because it's mm-hmm. so like, oh, this is just like a weird, like uh, very one dimensional. Like I'm like she's like a uh, I guess like kind of like a rough around the edges woman that found her way to some wealth. But uh, man, she just she helps out Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. My background right now is Leo with Kathy Bates and. And uh, Kate oh, Winslet. What like, a time to be alive. What a squad. The, yeah, the what a ultimate, squad. Everyone needs a Kathy Bates and a Kate Winslet and a Leo. I want to um, I want to give a shout out to Victor Garber, who plays the ship's builder, Thomas Andrews. Mm-hmm. I like him. I like him in everything I see him in, but I yeah. thought he was I thought he was particularly moving in this film. I thought um, kind of the like his his ability to recognize the flaws in his own creation and kind of the pain that's causing him and he doesn't try and like obviously there's a, there's many other characters in the film who are kind of mustache twirly villains you're like no everything is fine yeah. but um the fact that he like humble he's like so humble and so distraught and shattered by the fact that you know he's not gonna make he doesn't make excuses no for any of it it's kind of a be- it's a beautiful tragedy what you know his character and the time they have but i think we should um oh and uh rose's granddaughter played by Susie amos who became james cameron's fifth and by all accounts final wife because he seems very happy and has a bunch of kids now and finally um met someone who 
seems to have balanced him out a bit. Good. Awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, uh, Hell yeah. N- 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 no more, Cameron. You're at your wife limit. Yeah, you've reached the peak wife limit. Peak wife um, limit. Peak wife limit. But we should probably get to the man of the hour, who we teased earlier, Billy Zane, who plays Cal Hockley, uh, oh, the villain man. of the picture, who is, if you want a hat-on-hat villain, uh, it would be Cal. Uh, is he spineless? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is he cruel? Yes. yes. Is he a rich snob? Yes. I, he really... The checklist oh, yeah. of villainous behavior over the course of three hours and 15 minutes here. Cal hits it. Zane is great. Oh, so good. How is this not nominated for an Oscar? I, I was just wondering, like, is it too broad? I don't know, but I think, like, this could, we'll get to how many Oscars this thing was nominated for. So why not throw a Best Supporting Actor to Billy Zane? Because like it is you like have a, to win. Yeah, is it is it a broad role? Sure. Is it kind of an easy performance? Probably. But is it like really fucking fun? Yes, it's, it's so super fun, and it provides a real threat to um, Jack oh. and Rose's kind of love affair. Oh, hundred percent. Like real stakes, and uh, yeah, and talking hat on hat, like that point where they're like running through a sinking ship incredible oh, incredible so and apparently um that scene was cut down like originally there was a full scale like fight between him and jack wow like a uh, action movie level like cuz cuz cameron thought audiences would be expecting that from him and then when they did the test screening that was the scene audiences were rolling their eyes at it was two hat on hat basically yeah. and they like guess what the sinking of the ship that's plenty baby yeah and also like that's like yeah i feel like that doesn't like fit with his character like i i just love like all the shooting you get like him like failing to shoot he's like mm-hmm. such a he's such a fail because like he just he he goes down the stairs he trips and like falls on his little butt <laughs> like that's great yeah I, I do that. like later on the old Rose is like, and the crash got him good, so he put a gun in his mouth. <laughs> that was so like it's just... weirdly it's weirdly completely satisfying, which is kind of dark to say, but yeah, like that shows you what side you're on mm-hmm. when you're watching this movie. That even like ninety years later, you're like, good, good, you got you 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 jerk. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the fact that besides being a general pill to Rose. Uh, trying to kill Jack. He uh, steals a baby yeah. and goes on the boat with the women and the children. After to failing to, to save bri- himself. Yeah. After, fa- after fa- a bribe fails. After a failure after, to bribe. Yeah, and I feel so bad for his number two guy who's clearly going to get left behind. He keeps. He's definitely feels like, oh, we're, we're going to get out together. We got this set up. It's like, no, you don't. You're not. Oh, yeah, you're getting, no. you're, your ass is getting left behind. The last, the last time you see him is he has like a little bit of blood on his head. Yeah. And that's when like the ship like splits in half. And it's like, uh, bye-bye, David Warner. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And was- apparently the blood on his head was from an, uh, another uh, like a fight scene. As well with DiCaprio. Wow. Uh, but they cut the they cut they cut a lot of that, and I think wisely so because that ending yeah. that ending is pretty impressive. But uh, gotta say, uh, the Cal role offered to Matthew McConaughey before Billy Zane did not take it, and Rob Lowe has gone on record as having pursued it. Wow, Rob Lowe, I think could have pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like, I think, but I also think that Billy Zane, like, there's something about Billy Zane's just like look in this film his aesthetic that's so like he it almost feels like he's um 
he is like what Joel Gray parodies in Cabaret. <laughs> I think like, he, he's one of these actors. I think Rob Lowe actually kind of fits this bill quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rob Lowe kind of realized it in doing Tommy Boy and Wayne's World to kind of get out of it. Mm-hmm. When you're too handsome, that you're hard to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like you got to ha- like, it, there's a weird line with the male actors where you got to be super handsome but just handsome enough. If yeah. you're like too pretty, it's hard to take you seriously. It's gotta be rugged. Yeah, it's gotta be a there. You gotta have a little bit of an edge to it. And um, I think DiCaprio figured it out too because he his like concentrated efforts to always have facial hair and gain a little bit of weight mm-hmm. have made him be able to play adult roles much better and yep. more believably. Yeah, a hundred percent. One thing I find like a uh, like. I was trying to find articles about Billy Zane because it's so interesting to me that like he went from like Titanic and then he sort of just like dropped off the face of the earth. Like he had like, I guess like Zoolander. Well, he did the Phantom, which was the attempt to kind of an early superhero movie Mm. that bombed completely. I remember when I was a kid, it came out and I didn't buy it. I saw the trailer and I was like, no, I don't yeah. think so. I'm not seeing this. And yeah. if I, if, if like 10, 12 year old Don is saying that about a superhero movie, not, not a good sign. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And to your credit, that is like the lamest superhero. Like, like it's like a comic strip superhero that and half the comic strips are just like facts about, uh, like they did, animals <laughs> they didn't have it down they picked weird ip and i'm saying this as if someone who was very very excited for things like alec baldwin's the shadow and um the rocketeer oh, would be right. another one of that realm I, I gladly saw those movies but never saw the phantom um i love billy zane uh one of our house favorites is uh tales from the crypt demon knight or he plays the villain and he's great in that one and obviously like the line in Zoolander, like, quote, listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's a cool guy. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, because he's Zoolander's friend. Yeah. Playing playing himself. But, yeah, he was on Twin Peaks briefly. Oh, he was? Like the most yeah. recent season? No, the original one. Oh, the original. Um, I don't remember if he was on The the Return, but he was in, the, he was in season two of the – because it was um, right around the time – I. Boy, I'm excuse excuse me, all you peaks heads out there. I have not watched it for a little while, but um, like they, I think that they were considering moving past. No, that was for uh, they were trying to add a little bit more of an element to it away from McLaughlin. Mm. So they were looking for a male lead, and they brought in Zane. If I'm not mistaken, you know, I obviously the Twin Peaks heads will hit me in the um in the comments about this one, but um. Yeah. But yeah, he did Twin Peaks. He's not. In, I don't believe he's in Firewalk with me. And he, I don't believe he's in The Return, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. I, I don't. I mean, I, I think, and I think it's like it's interesting. Yeah, because like I said, I looked on Google, and there's nothing bad. I think he might just be like, it, it might be like like the most pos- in my head. I think it's like the most positive version of like a Crispin Glover scenario where you're just like doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but without some of the baggage Crispin Glover has accrued over the years. Yeah, yeah, and he might just be like a normal guy who's living his life, just being like a handsome, neat guy. I yeah. don't know. He has but, an olive um, oil company. Yeah, 
I mean, it could be, yeah. You, you know, I, I read that about like uh, Emilio Estevez opened a winery. I mean, there's, you know, there all, you these, all these fun actors, you know, maybe there's, you know, they got money and they, you know, you they know. don't need, they don't want to deal with the bullshit. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, do you, does he, I don't even know. Like, I guess he must, he must, like, he must be set just with Titanic. I don't, yeah, I have no idea. I yeah. don't know, like, how the back end money got dispersed. Right. Because uh, we'll get to that momentarily about how they thought there was never going to be any back end money. <laughs> um, yeah. Although, like, the, I will say, though, it's interesting. The last time I saw, we can move on, but uh, yeah. the last thing I saw Zane's name on was he directed the, uh, the, Oh, sorry about that. There's a guy revving a motorcycle outside <laughs> my apartment. Uh, but he um, was it Billy Zane? Yeah, it was William himself. He's getting 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 antsy. Uh, Boy, I'd love to have him as a guest. Oh, dude, please, Zane, if you're yeah. on, I'm I'm crazy about you and everything I say. I say it with love, brother. Yeah, no uh, irony there, baby. Oh yeah, no, no irony at all. But uh, but the last thing I saw his name on was he directed a Wheel of Time movie for hmm. sci-fi. And he did it so, like, but it was, like, it premiered at, like, 2 a.m. on, like, the day before the, uh, like, basically this movie was directed so that the company that released it could keep their rights to that franchise. Wow. It's very, very weird. It uh, sounds a little shady. It is incredibly shady, but I'm so, it must be on YouTube. Look up Billy Zane uh wheel of time just like I, that's like the last thing that i saw zane's name on and it just makes me wonder like why was zane directing this how did he get this role is it even the same billy zane who knows it's gotta be it's gotta, gotta be. be there can't be two zanes in this world that's crazy I wonder if that's like uh, like you know i used to think like if you name your son like colt or something like that they're gonna end up being a quarterback like they just kind of have, you know, it's like if your name, if your kid's name is Billy Zane, are they destined to be like a hunky star? Maybe. Like, I think I, I just like, I, I, you know, we're about to have a child and I've thought like, oh, we got to give them a name that like <laughs> points, them in, points them in the direction of a career. <laughs> right, right. No, I feel you. You can't name your, your kid like Gunter or something. Yeah, they're Gunter. They're going to be like a fourth level terrorist in a diehard movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah you're gonna be like an eastern german uh uh gymnast turned uh <laughs> murderer yeah. yeah um but yeah so he got the cast assembled and they all yeah. went down to oh um actually the they shot this stuff on the boat first before yes. they went down to mexico and patrick would you like to share the fun story about a rather rough day in Nova Scotia for James Cameron and the Titanic team that went to spiral a little bit out of control with the soup. Oh my God. Yes. It was like the last day of filming in Nova Scotia. And apparently there was a, um, like any rate, nobody knows if it was like a cast member. I remember they said something. It could have been like a former, uh, uh, like not not a chef what's it called like uh craft, uh, craft services it was like a discreet could have been a disgruntled craft services individual suffice to say there was a um a muscle chowder like not a clam chowder it was a muscle <laughs> chowder that's important uh and uh, everyone was eating it and everyone was taking bowls but then people started to feel kind of odd uh some people started freaking out 
it got to the point where Cameron started to feel really ill after eating this chowder, maybe like 15 minutes in or an hour in. Cameron tried to see like who was feeling sick and who wasn't, you know. They asked like, you know, everyone, if you're feeling bad, raise your hand. It turns out everyone who like ate the chowder was uh, not feeling too great. They had to all go to the hospital. Turns out someone had put a pound of PCP into the chowder, which is like an insane. That's a lot of PCP. That's not one would assume one would assume. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at one point, I believe, too, uh, James Cameron was uh, uh, talking to who was the lady he was talking to. He's talking to one of his assistant directors, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, she thought she was doing okay. <laughs> and it, she's like, I'm ta-, and he called her on her walkie-talkie. And they were in the same room. And she's yeah. like, no, I'm not here at all. <laughs> and then she discovered him there. And apparently seemed to think he was some sort of demon or ghost or something like that. And stabbed him in the face with a pen. Yep. And he laughed it off and hired her again because... That's the exact kind of person he wants around on his team. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, if she's, uh, you know, if she's doing that to demons, imagine what she'd be like, you know, doing, you know, using that uh, aggression on set. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, Cameron, Paxton, ever Gloria Stewart was not, if oh, you're concerned. Oh, thank God, yeah. If you're concerned. No Gloria Stewart. Um, she, I think- she, she had her own... Uh, I believe she she went out to dinner that night, is what they said. Uh, but everyone else involved uh, got pretty messed up oh. by the PCP. Um, but if you thought that things could only get better on the set of this movie, you were wrong. They went down to Mexico, where they had a full-scale Titanic constructed for the most part. Um, they bought all of the land and created Fox Baja studios down there. Cameron said that he felt he'd always been intrigued with shooting in Mexico due to the cheaper labor, but proximity to Los Angeles. So he's always thinking. Uh, I, will, I will say, oh, go ahead. Oh no, no worries. Uh, I think in the past I've said, I'd love to see a Terrence Malick direct a film about like making a James Cameron movie. Like this one made me want like Werner, Werner Herzog to yeah. direct like a Fitzcarraldo esque like 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 biopic about the making of the titanic just like the mania someone would have to have to like invest so much of your time in life and like i don't know it is just a, such a massive undertaking yeah <laughs> um filming was supposed to last 138 days but expanded to 160 almost everyone got uh, the cold or the flu or infections because they were in the water all the time um, this kind of cemented Cameron's reputation as quote the scariest man in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, known as an uncompromising, hard-charging perfectionist, uh, apparently was swooping around with a megaphone, uh, coming down on 160 feet cranes, yelling at people <laughs> that they weren't. Uh, people genuinely frightened of him. Uh, Bill Paxton, though, of course, said, uh, you know. It is who it is. It's you know that's who he is. Say love me. Uh, there was a, his uh, alter ego was nicknamed Midge, M I J. Jim spelled backwards. Uh, in response to the criticism, he said, "Filmmaking is war, a great battle between business and aesthetics." Thank you, Jim. They went on forever, apparently, and just he's demanding. It was all over the place. 
DiCaprio hated going in the water. He whined about it apparently every single time out. Um, there was a different set of opinion because Kate Winslet wanted the water cold so she could use it to get into character, whereas he was perfectly satisfied with warm water and did not get his way. But again, with him, he went in to the water and it was okay. Also, because, and he got it together. Also, like... Uh... Kate and Leo had a like pack oh, where yes. like when they would kiss, like they they wouldn't do anything, they wouldn't partake in like smelly foods or like smoke or any of their drink or whatever. So like when they kissed, it was like pretty like fresh. But uh, very quickly, very quickly into the production, Leo one hundred percent reneged yep. on that promise and partook in all of that. And yeah. uh, funny, he, funny, funny prank, Leo. Yeah, cool, cool dude. Uh, cool dude at the time. I think he got the nickname Stinky Leo. Like, I think they... Yeah, like, that was, yeah. yeah. Stinky Leo. Stinky she, Leo. She, she loved that little rascal, though. Yeah. Um, right. It got so out of hand, and they were very concerned about how long the movie is. Another fine Cameron quote is to the Foxy executives, you want to cut my movie? You're going to have to fire me. You want to fire me? You're going to have to kill me. Awesome. <laughs> Rock and roll, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is uh, someone who would like stay. Like, I feel like he would like barricade a his like editing room or whatever. Like the the room with the oh, footage. He'd be armed. Yeah, he'd too. be like Wilson Brimley in the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Richard A. Harris in the back with a gash on his head. <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> shooting at like Pippi Chernin or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently after they got done shooting, Cameron finished. Uh, confiscated a bottle of tequila from some of the crew members, went off by himself, drank half of it, got in his car, was driven to the airport, and was asleep halfway to the airport. But that was not it. The All of the effects. This movie is really, really cool, if you ask me, because it does such a nice job of combining all of the disciplines of effects in kind of a seamless way. Mm -hmm. uh there's high level super duper digital effects for the sinking of the ship he realized quickly that um i think how many times did they try it with stunt people throwing them off of the boat like they do it once and there was a broken leg and some broken ribs yes and he you know for all of his charred hard charging elements he's like we, we, we're not going to kill anyone yeah <laughs> So, but they, so they he went to his his own effects house digital domain. They did they did a ton of different. So he wanted a lot of seen and unseen effects, kind of not uh, not too showy, all things considered. Mm. And he, um, I think I think it really, I think it really looks good. Yeah, I think like it's the a... effects I think still work pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. I think it pretty much holds up. I like there aren't there aren't moments where it feels false or I feel like I'm like even if I recognize that that's like an effect I'm seeing I'm never like taken out of what's occurring part of it too feels like uh, like the ship feels it's, it it feels like I'm seeing uh someone play dollhouse on like the most massive scale imaginable Mm -hmm. in a weird way and like i think that like helps sell like effects even when they don't like work entirely mm -hmm. yeah I, I think like combining though digital effects with stunts and real yeah. water and all that kind of stuff 
you know, I think that might be some of the thing we'll talk about in Avatar in a sec that almost disappoints me about Avatar is the kind of the otherworldliness of the entire thing. And we should mention too his attention to detail. He had Titanic experts on set at all times. Down, everyone knows, down to the China, down to the stairwell, all that was, um, you know, exactly the real thing. See, that's the thing that bums me out about Avatar. <laughs> and yeah. we'll, we'll get to Avatar when we get to Avatar. But, like, it's so cool seeing, like, Jim Cameron out of his... Because this is out of his element to a certain degree. I mean, it's not out of his element. It's the water. It is and isn't. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the, the, the fine China and the high society, that's out of his element. Yeah. And it makes me want, like, damn, like, what would a uh, Wild West Cameron movie look like where, like, that level of, like, detail... Um, is just like focus. Like I'd love to see his insane level of detail and uh, and his just his 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 approach to filmmaking um, applied to just either like you know something medieval or, yeah. or feudal Japan or anything like just well, anything. Like, but uh, doing like um, I don't know like uh, like a battle sequence that involves like a charge. Among like 800 people running at each other or something like that. That God isn't digital. Damn. That's like, uh, you know, like, like the Braveheart days of just sending a bunch of people, stunt people at each other to beat the hell out of each other. You know, I don't know. Like, I know that it's it's kind of like a wistful nostalgia mm-hmm. from us to talk about kind of this old school filmmaking method of kind of it's real. You're in it. You built a dang boat. Oh, we should mention too, like due to the way the set was designed and due to the way he wanted to get the boat and the sun, they had to shoot the boat. The boat is not positioned in Harbor in the same direction. It was positioned when the real Titanic left off. So for that opening scene in which when Kate Winslet arrives and Leo wins the poker game and jumps on the boat, they had to shoot everything backwards. All the signage was backwards because they flipped the film in post-production. Because he wanted to make sure that it was the correct, um, the correct direction the boat was facing. And I should also mention here that I actually, my last major trip, my family and I went to Ireland a couple years ago before all this went down, and um, we actually got a chance to go to the Titanic Museum in Ireland and see some of the uh, equipment and the the rep- replications of the boat and everything like that. And I will say this now: I wish I had seen the movie before I went to this museum. Because most of, it was very interesting, but there was certainly a part of me that was like, I don't know anything about this. And I'm very excited about going back to the pubs in Dublin and yeah. drinking Guinness with my dad and my brother. <laughs> but um, yeah. but uh, it was a fascinating. I recommend it when things reopen again. Cause, and I, I hope to visit again someday now that I am a Titanic fan. Yeah. Because uh, to kind of piece it together, like I, I felt like I got more in the moment out of the uh, Jameson museum mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know I, I i knew more about drinking jameson than i did about the titanic so i mean jameson um, pretty good <laughs> yeah it's great um so after you know they, they went through arduous editing process obviously the movie was going to all of cameron's movies run long this was going to run even longer and we get to the phase the uh he apparently wrote titanic while listening to the music of enya that was kind of his uh, writing soundtrack. Uh, he asked her to compose the music for the film. She declined. Uh, Cameron went to James Horner, who uh, a veteran of Aliens, 
and um, veteran of James Cameron's wrath. So they had not worked together since aliens, uh, but they got together again and they were, you know, they put together a real beautiful score, but, and Cameron apparently had told Horner, the only rule is I don't want a song. It's all score. <laughs> and, and Horner's like, fine, fine, fine. He gets the end the credit sequence. And he, he, as a musician, his heart of hearts knows we need a song here. So he, behind everyone's back, got together with a lyricist, and they wrote, My Heart Will Go On. They contacted his old friend in Vegas, Celine Dion, and they recorded a demo. The people at Celine Dion's label heard the demo that was supposed to be a secret. And they all agreed that perhaps this song would be a massive hit. But James Horner had not told James Cameron yet that it was that it existed. So he was waiting for a day in which Cameron dropped by the scoring session that Cameron seemed to be in the appropriate mood. Apparently he showed up and an effects had gone okay. Effects uh, edit had gone okay and Cameron didn't seem as prickly. So he said, can I play you a song? Uh, Cameron Mealy was on edge. He heard it once and almost immediately was like everyone else. Yeah, I think that'll do. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I have to agree. Like, it's a cheesy song for a cheesy movie. Yeah. But after three hours and 15 minutes, it really, like, underlines everything that you have just been through and felt. It's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I was thinking when I was watching this movie, like, this movie is corny, but it's, like, the right kind of corny. It is. The, the thing only a movie can do, too. Like, yeah. the right kind of movie. Yeah. Um. So they had it all put together. Um, I think it's like the earnestness. That's like yeah. what makes it. Because it's like, because I was thinking about like the one thing that didn't ring true to me in Terminator 2, the bad to the bone. Yeah. And that's like corny, but that's corny in a way that's bad because it thinks it's cool doing that. It's, movie, outside, it's outside the movie too. Yeah. This, this like plays within the structure of the movie. Yeah. There's, and it's also how he interweaves the score into the song. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's, yeah. There, also, there's like never a moment where this movie plays like uh like, you know, like a James Brown song, ironically, or something. I know, yeah. <laughs> I feel good. Do, yeah, after, after he, like, paints her naked or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like, I'm walking on sunshine starts yeah. to play. <laughs> Just like, love me, love me. Yeah. Tied into no, doesn't, does not, um, does not happen. This movie was supposed to be released July 2nd, 1997, but, uh, they ran into a lot of delays and it did got pushed back to December 19th of 1997. Uh, there was a lot of like press. It's like speculating like Cameron's folly and all, and he's going to sink all, you know, Titanic is going to sink Fox or Paramount or whatever. And a couple things there. Why do people do this? Why do people actively work against that? Like artists who are trying something Especially, it seems like in the movie business, like I don't get it. Like, what in his track record has said? Like, it was the same people who were talking. I mean, like, say what you will about Tenant. I'm a Tenant fan. Yeah. But the people who seem to be actively rooting against Tenant before they saw Tenant, 
And like all of these people go online, the way Christopher Nolan wants you to see it, or the way Martin Scorsese wants you to see it. I'm like, fuck off. All Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, and James Cameron want to do is make the best damn movie possible. They want to entertain your asses. Yeah. It's, it, oh, it drives totally. me nuts. You Sorry. should. It should get you nettled. It's nettling. You're yeah. Nettled. Yeah, you're nettled. But, I'm itchy, uh, baby. You're itchy. Ah, you fell into the nettle patch. Ah, it sucks. Ah! <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, like, I think, like, it's, like, this thing where, like, it happens every time. And I think it's because every time he does something bigger and crazier. Because, like, they were saying the same stuff about, they would say the same stuff about Avatar. I remember yeah. reading articles about Avatar where it's, like. So the exact same stuff. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, man. I bet. <laughs> Avatar do through five yeah. or whatever, two through, like they're going to be, oh man, they're, they're going to say it again. They're going to say yeah. it again. And it's just someone who works outside the box, who works outside the system, mm-hmm. says, you know, basically says, fuck the system. I'm doing it my way. It makes people really uncomfortable. It also makes people uncomfortable when people, it's the same kind of bullshit when people talk about like pro athlete contracts. Mm. drives me nuts too it's like lebron james get paid 30 million dollars it's like yeah lebron james is worth more than 30 million dollars to the los angeles lakers they should be paying him 100 million dollars that guy puts asses in the seats he's great I like can, i i don't get it i can't but, wait for his turn in space jam too yeah but not pepe Le Pew's. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. uh-oh turns out they're gonna have to replace him with the little gray mouse in a diaper from tom and jerry yeah that's the they're gonna <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna photos. That's gonna be the little gray mouse in a diaper from Tom and Jerry is like the Christopher, uh, Christopher, uh, what's the guy who replaced Kevin Spacey in uh, Christopher Plummer? The late, yeah, he's the, the late Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. Oh my god, yeah. there should be like a sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit where there's like <laughs> Christopher Plummer as Jessica Rabbit. Oh, <laughs> oh no, Kathleen Turner, what did he do? <laughs> I'm still attracted, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same. It's the same animation, but just uh, like the 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 nice the nice voice of Christopher of Sound of Music's Christopher Plummer. I love it. I I just don't get it. I think we should support people who are going for it, like yeah. who are taking a big swing, even if it doesn't work. Some of these mm-hmm. things don't work, but yeah, that's the way it goes. I want to see. I don't want to be bored off my ass by another reboot or sequel or remake. Mm-hmm. Or something that is playing it so safe that it's just – it's not even bad. It's boring. Mm-hmm. I'm not even – I'm not going to name names there. But, um, you know, like Avatar is so crazy. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely nuts. It's awesome because of the fact it's – this guy got to create an entire crazy world. Good for him. There should be more world creations. There should be more weirdness in general. That people, yeah. And plus, all the weird shit makes money. People want to see weird shit. They want to have their minds blown. So, like, and Cameron understands that. Nolan understands that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let him do it. Yeah. I'm- like, yeah. More the merrier. I want a tenant part two. We'll get we'll we'll talk about that some other day. But I think that there are more adventures for the boys to go on. Yeah, I want I want uh Robert Pattinson. I want him to give more Diet Cokes to John David. I want the origin of how he found out John yeah, David Washington likes Diet Coke. 
f- favorite flavor of soda. Let's let's cut to the chase. We know it's a dude's rock picture. Let's see these dudes rock for two and a half hours. Oh man, let's get them on an adventure. Let the but, dudes rock. Let just so, let, let your dudes rock. Long story short, um, all of these naysayers, these uh, dipshits in the media, fake news. If you ask me, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they were wrong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Big totally. Time. Uh, Titanic. Uh, became the highest grossing film of all time at the time in 19 by 1998. Um, absolutely massive sensation. Like I said, I mean, everybody that I knew saw it multiple times except for me in the theater. I never played at the Northgate movie theater forever. Great old theater that's now been torn down, but it was just absolute mega sensation. It's just they all thought it was going to be disappointing and that is just just crazy to me like that it went down like that but it's good good for cameron oh totally i will say if i'm ever like abducted by aliens and like the other humans abducted by aliens are like from disparate cultures like the first thing i will pull out is a cameron reference like the Mm -hmm. like a titanic reference i think that's like the one thing that where everyone Everyone yeah, will get on board. Bring them together too. I cried at the aliens, you know, at the like the movie Arrival that uh, deleted scene. Amy Adams to communicate with the aliens just played a double VHS <laughs> copy of Titanic, and they got it. <laughs> <laughs> you have double VHS too. Denny Villeneuve didn't think it was dramatic enough. But, yeah. you know, uh, um, come on, Villeneuve. But the movie has a eighty-nine percent Rotten Tomato. Mm-hmm. rating uh mostly unqualified triumph for james cameron who offers a dizzying blend of spectacular visuals and old-fashioned melodrama uh obviously a plus cinema score as well um obviously there were naysayers there are people like 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 pauline kale and robert altman who i respect um who are be who are a little nasty about it um some people have called it the like a top to pole for the worst movie of all time, which is insane. Well, like, I think it suffers from like the Twilight effect, where I think it was a thing that like a lot of like young women liked. Yeah. And as a result, yes. a lot of people there, like. There's also a quiet misogyny. Yeah, I think that too. is like a hundred percent like a lot of like, and then that's not like to say that's Pauline Kael or Robert Altman. I think they're a little more no, like uh, discerning than that. I, I think, think that they're pissed off that their time of being kind of like the '70s New Hollywood is clearly where it was all kind of like parallax view style yeah depression paranoia and cynicism uh none of that's on display here and this made you know the money to pay for like 45 parallax views yes i mean sorry that the player wasn't the highest grossing movie of all time Play, the player's still great but it was just not gonna happen <laughs> no um, i you know what i'll be i'll disagree with i don't like the player that much. maybe i need to oh. watch it again i'm not a big the player i like robert altman a lot i think like it's, I said, it's not my favorite of his yeah. but i like it i do like it i think it's a little um, i don't know i don't know a little inside baseball for me there we go yeah that's true um it was nominated for 14 Academy Awards, tying a record set in 1950 by All About Eve. It won 11 of them. Wow. Picture, director, art direction, cinematography, effects, editing, costume design, sound, sound editing, dramatic score, best original song. The only things that it didn't win, Kate Winslet, Gloria Stewart, and Makeup were all nominated and they did not win leo leo dicaprio and james cameron's screenplay not nominated 
um, James Cameron won three mm-hmm. of these awards himself. He won for editing, he won for directing, and he won for picture. Uh, famously, he screamed, I'm king of the world when he won best director. Hell yeah, uh, brother. And, uh, and apparently got mean mugged by Warren the Parallax View Beatty backstage like, act like you've been here before, brother. I do like the theory that he was staring at all of the executives at 20th Century Fox and Paramount and thinking about all of the critics and article writers who said it was Cameron's folly and in t- very typical Jim Cameron's fashions was basically saying, fuck you. Uh... <laughs> So I don't. I think yeah, rock on, dude. Do it. Do yeah. it all over again, like. Dude. And also, like, I like when people display a genuine reaction like that. Yeah. Like, so many stuff. Like, I mean, God bless Brad Pitt, but like, I don't even. I want to know who was on his joke writing team for all of his acceptance speeches at the Oscars and the Golden Globes for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, last year, because it was so clean and so, like, I memorized these lines. Ugh, yeah, I'd, I'd give me, like, an Olivia Coleman for the favorite win. Yeah. Any day of the week. Just like I want to see people, like, bleeped out because they're accidentally saying fuck. Yeah. You know, like, just all, all sorts of good stuff. But I think, like, as we kind of wrap up with Titanic here, mm-hmm. this movie is great. Yeah, and I, I I I'm unironically say that I think that I wish there were more like unabashed, earnest movies mm-hmm. that came out like this. I I'm really really tired of like the ironic. <laughs> oh, do they they can fly? Yeah, I yeah. think we can fly. You know, can, I was thinking that in my head right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was mulling over whether or not I should say that. <laughs> I think, like, yes, it's cheesy, but it makes you feel good. Oh, totally. And I wish I felt good like when I was, you know, in 15, in 1997 or whatever. Like, I wish I had given myself that feeling. I wish I had, like, gotten up the nerve to ask one of the girls from my high school out on a date to go see this movie at the Northgate Movie Theater. Like, I do. Share a and, big old popcorn. Yeah, and, you know, like, kind of, like, for the first hour and a half of the movie consider like, Oh, should I try and put my arm around her or see if, you know, she's into me or whatever. And then for the second hour and a half of the movie, try not to cry in front of her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I had had those experiences. Like that's very like 15 year old shit. And yeah, I guess that's what I get as like nostalgic for a moment mm. you never had. And, um, but I'm glad I've seen it now. I, I, I really, I really liked it. Um, yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's like a pretty much nearly a perfect movie. There are some moments where towards the, it's so funny, like this time around, I ended up liking the first half more than like, I love the second half, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I was like, actually more like, I almost wanted another hour. I could have had another hour of just like hanging out on the boat, all the weird intrigues. The weird like um upstairs, downstairs uh class issues. Yeah. All that, yeah, that stuff's fun. It's also, like, well drawn out and, like, even though, like, the characters themselves aren't super sketched out, um, just, like, the world is super well done. Like, everything feels like... You care just enough. 
Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And um, I want like a, I love that it's like a big earnest movie that's not winking, and I love that it's an earnest movie that's not winking. That's just about like a thing that happened. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's not like a yeah. And uh, I hope that uh, one day Hollywood can just like yeah do like a movie about it was wasn't Brad Bird going to do a movie about the San Francisco earthquake. Get that happening. Yeah. That'd be fucking that great happen. as hell. Yeah, like put, a, put put some romance around it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just do just do Titanic in San Francisco. Yeah. Get a cu- get a couple great looking young stars to run around San Francisco as it burns down. Yeah, find and a- one and one of them dies tragically at the end, but their love will go on. Yeah, get a, find find the uh, proto Borat, Brad Bird. <laughs> Say that <laughs> five times fast. Yeah. Um so so I guess the question would be, it's like, you've made the biggest movie of all time. You've won all of the Academy Awards. What do you do next? I'm, su- I'm surprised James Cameron just didn't turn into like pure energy. Yeah. Just like become one with the world at the end of like, once he, he won the award, like I'm, I'm done. Yeah. He became <laughs> Navi on stage. Yeah, he joined the world tree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what he did was, uh, I think like, what any like normal person would do if they had all the power and all the money all of a sudden mm-hmm. he just went and indulged in all the shit he liked when he was a kid and tried it out he did more deep sea dives he made two documentaries ghosts of the abyss and aliens of the deep he's logged so much underwater time that apparently he volunteered information when the BP spill happened. They didn't want it from him. Then they later found out he was right. He's <laughs> he's worked with um, he began working with NASA to try and figure out how to go to space to shoot a true Mars film. That didn't work, unfortunately, because it boy, that really was the next stage in Cameron. Because of course he wanted to go to space. I think he's now that he's in his mid sixties. I wonder if it's too late mm-hmm. for him to go to space. But like he was really stretching out in all of his kind of combination of engineering and sci-fi interests he branched out into television he made the tv series dark angel which uh starts brought uh, jessica alba mm-hmm. to kind of the public consciousness i did not watch did you watch dark angel i did not I, watch dark angel i've never watched dark angel didn't hear about it until i read the book oh wow it was it was a big it's a big hit really big, it was a big deal when it dropped because it was a cameron project she was just like a brand new actor and to my young eyes like one of the most gorgeous people i'd ever seen in my life so it's like i'm interested in this but i know you know and apparently though fell to kind of network dynamics and cameron was not thrilled with the television kind of model at all which does not surprise me yeah um around this a little bit before titanic he did co-write he did co-write and produce strange days for Catherine bigelow his Mm ex-wife still on great terms Strange Days is a movie I was trying to get a chance to watch for our show because I've never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. It stars Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, and Julia Lewis. Kind of a odd, um, kind of cyberpunky kind of film. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Um, not streaming. DVD is out of print. And about a $60 buy on DVD. Wow. A copy of it. And I'm kicking myself in the ass because it played at the New Beverly about two and a half years ago 
uh, celebrate. Uh, they were playing a few Catherine Bigelow films that month. And I knew it at the time. I was like, you know, I should go. I should see Strange Days. I did not go. And that turned out to be one of the better opportunities to have seen this film, which I think, you know, I think it's a movie that probably has some really interesting stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameron also at this time period had done his scriptment. Oh, and we should mention his scriptment process, which is kind of different from any other filmmaker. He writes an extensive, generally 50 to 100 page partial screenplay, partial novel type work to explain each of his projects mm-hmm. detailed as all hell it's they're really cool there are there's a handful of them that are online you could track down the strange days one you could track down the avatar one and he did a scriptment for spider-man Ooh. that w- that actually got quite close and only came down to the fact that they did not know who owned the rights to spider-man i i believe he was taking a close look at dicaprio yeah to play uh, peter parker and a lot of his ideas actually um spilled over into the Raimi, Tobey Maguire. Uh, we all know Tobey Maguire is Leonardo DiCaprio's consigliere, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, like the Robert Duvall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting, too, because I think like, Spider-Man, like, that was, like, I think the last time Cameron worked with Car- Carlico. Yeah. Uh, who, the company that... Uh, Started off the 90s with Terminator 2 and uh, ended and their life with Cutthroat Island. They uh, they flew too close to the sun, but they rock. Oh, like, apparently on the um, the new Total Recall Blu-ray that just dropped, there is a documentary about Carlico. Oh, and their really? History, and I want to pick up that Blu-ray. I want it anyway. Oh, yeah. That movie is great, but um, that's one of the I'm, first I'm very, I'm very interested in this documentary as well. Yeah, uh, Cameron also uh, he got like we mentioned, he got married uh, to Susie Amos, he had a couple of kids, he now has mm-hmm. five kids, they've been married since. Uh, he also um, ended up leaving his his special effects company, Digital Domain, in quite a dramatic fashion. He stood up at a board meeting and said, I'm out. Yeah, Stan Winston Basically. followed him. And Stan Winston, loyal loyal friend, followed him right out the room. And because uh, Cameron is not really built for business meetings. He's built, he's a visionary. Yeah. This is, just isn't his thing to try and like. And what he found out basically is apparently it's very difficult to make money doing special effects. Yep. And he, he apparently was taking quite a discount from Digital Domain for his own movies, Titanic and True Lies included. Yeah, he is. He is a Sigourney Reaver in a world of Giovanni Ribisi's. Yes, which we will we will, we will note very shortly. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, fun fact: Michael Bay ended up buying Digital Domain, and Cameron was quoted as saying, "It's Michael Bay's problem now." <laughs> uh, Cameron fictionally directed Aquaman on the TV series Entourage, <laughs> um, playing himself for a handful of guest appearances. And he developed uh, Terminator Dark Fate, which came out actually after our next film, as well as, um, so he was down to two films. He was struggling with as his finally to get, when he did get to the point of doing a follow-up to Titanic, it was either Avatar or an adaptation of the manga, uh, Alita Battle Angel. Ooh, very which, good manga. Which he produced, ended up producing and Robert Rodriguez directed in 2019. Yeah, and, and uh, I, like, I like that movie. Christoph Waltz is really good in that film. And we should mention 
also during this time period, this is my favorite James Cameron story. And it was kind of the story that led me back down the road into reviewing his movie, into like wanting to watch his films again. And this is the story about his support to Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah. So in the early 90s, when Guillermo del Toro was just finishing up the film, Kronos, his first feature, his first major feature film, and which starred Ron Perlman, who uh, co-starred on the TV series Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton in the 1980s. So Cameron and del Toro found themselves at a Fourth of July party. Obviously, at different times in their career, Cameron had just done Terminator 2. Cameron, though, had heard Guillermo del Toro's Kronos was the most expensive movie made in Mexico up to that point. And he introduced himself to Guillermo saying, I understand we are the two most expensive filmmakers in our respective countries. And that started off a huge friendship. When Cameron became a bachelor again, he invited Guillermo, who did not have a place to live during post-production, to stay in his guest house. They watched Laserdiscs together. They just became best buddies. Later on, when Guillermo del Toro uh, was directing his first kind of major studio-ish project, Mimic, for the infamous Miramax films, or to mention the uh, genre side of Miramax, his family was still living in Mexico and uh, some nasty folks b- became to believe that Guillermo was worth a lot of money. So they kidnapped Guillermo del Toro's father, which is obviously extremely scary yeah. situation. Uh, Guillermo del Toro was in Los Angeles and he turned to his friends and in particular James Cameron, who was by, basically by Guillermo del Toro's side the entire way through offered him all sorts of solutions with regards to security kind of special ops kind of guys even it sounds like (laughs) to to try and figure it out and then the kind of the biggest move is james cameron spotted guillermo del toro all of the ransom money and they got guillermo del toro's family got his father and got everyone out of mexico and guillermo del toro paid cameron back late at a later time but guillermo del toro you know one of the first people to say you know He's a great filmmaker, but even a better friend. And I was really impressed. Like, oh, yeah. it's very, like, out of a Cameron movie, almost, that he behaves like this and helps out his friend like this. And for all the stories about him being a psycho on set and things like that, it really goes to show he's just a very, like, passionate guy. In all ways, one could be passionate. And I think, like, he has his, like, bros... That he'll like, he's like, he seems very like write or die. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear it because you hear from Schwarzenegger, hear from Weaver, hear from Tom Arnold, Bill Paxton, Michael Bean, down the line, like all the guys too. He hires people he wrote with when he was just out of college, like in college. Yeah. Oh, like William Wisher. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's still friendly with his ex wives. Like he's, he's just, he's a complicated guy. He's a complicated, passionate guy, but like stepping up like that for his buddy, helping him out. I was just really impressed. I remember texting my brother. I'm like, you ever hear he did this? And my brother was just like, oh, that is cool. I'm like, I agree. It is really cool. It is. It's just, it's like, a, it's, it's sweet. And 
Also on the subject, you said Tom Arnold uh, and like recasting people. I I really hope Tom Arnold gets a cameo in Avatar Two, baby. Yeah, let's see I him. Hope, I hope he's a wacky Navi, like a little punch, <laughs> like a punchy Navi. Yeah. <laughs> um. So basically, though, it was high time for him to kind of get back to what kind of made him. People wanted another Cameron picture. He could, you know, I I admire the fact that he was able to spend almost a decade just kind of you know chilling tra- chilling out traveling the world do it you know going on adventures starting a family i mean i like in the ideal world that is why you make money is to then on the other side of that i have the money to like live a fabulous life that isn't involved with just making more money you know that Cameron does not seem to have that doesn't like for as rich as he is he does not seem to be genuinely concerned about that end of things which is very uh, very cool so he ended up going back to a uh, scriptment he wrote in 1994 for a film called Avatar which kind of combines all of his interests in one thing he and he didn't make it because he he did consider making it almost immediately after Titanic, but uh, the technology was just not there. Mm-hmm. But by 2009, it was there. Avatar was, of course, released in December of 2009, budgeted at $237 million, but there are suggestions that that could be quite a bit more. Um, but it made $2.8 billion dollars at the box office as we all know in the past as of this recording it was re-released last weekend in china and overtook avengers endgame to become the highest grossing movie of all time yet again hell yeah uh it completely redefined and made 3d a viable form once again yeah, to a crazy level. Apparently, almost eighty percent of the ticket sales were just for three D showings of this movie. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had not seen it before, and I really wish I had seen it. I hope, I hope we get a re release of it when the movie theaters open up again properly here in the United States. I would, I, at the very least, I imagine they're going to show it again before Avatar Two comes out, mm-hmm. and I will. I'll be there. Oh so yeah, check it out I, in 3D. I want to see it. I want, that's like the one thing I want to say too. Is like I want to see this movie again in 3D because I remember like it's so funny. I didn't remember that much about this movie, even though I saw it like three times in theaters. But watching this movie again on my computer, it was like, oh wow, yeah. I remember this being so like immersive in 3D. This was mm-hmm. such a a huge like <laughs> life changing, not life changing, but like it was just like you 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 feel it, man. And I'm not I'm not gonna try and explain the um the plot and the world of Avatar because that would take another hour and a half, I think, to try oh, yeah. and like it is so dense, so wild. Obviously they, they created an entire language. They yeah. all most of the technology they used on set to do the motion capture was developed for this film to the point that Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson visited the set for a week just to hang out and check out how all of it worked. And they ended up bringing it over to their Tin Tin movie, which I didn't never saw. Um, yeah. But this is, this is a wild movie. Like 
I, I kind of vacillate back and forth whether I, th- I really think it's great or just okay. Um, I will say, I'm going to just, uh, I'm, I have the Avatar Wiki opened up right now. Guess how many pages are in the <laughs> Avatar Wiki? Just, I want you to guess. I, well, I printed it out, so I do know. Oh, no, I'm no, no, I'm not talking about the, okay, I misspoke. I didn't mean the Avatar Wiki page. I mean the Avatar Wikia, like the specific Wikipedia for the movie Avatar. Well, okay, I I have it at 45 pages. Wait, no, so I'm talking about, so the. Okay, what what is yours? So, you know, like Wikipedia? Okay. So, Wikipedia is like Star Wars, right? Like the Star Wars Wikipedia and how there's like different. So I'm talking about, so this is like the Wikipedia for Avatar. Uh Uh-huh, I don't know. A thousand and forty-five different. Geez. Yes, there's like every plant has a page, and <laughs> you know, I, I, one thing I read about that was really fascinating too was uh, people were so into this movie that they were depressed. Oh yeah, I've read about when that. they left the film. They they had they were like feeling blue, as you would say in Navi, <laughs> in the but they um they liked being taken away. They liked they wanted to live in Pandora rather than the real world. And I guess that is why you make these kinds of movies. Like, and there are very few people who have made a full-scale universe like this. I mean, obviously, George Lucas for Star Wars, like mm-hmm. the Rowling for... Um, Potter. Harry Potter. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, but they're, they're a little few and far between that have this level of depth. Star Trek. The, honestly, though... That. But I think like, I think James Cameron goes deeper than I think. The only person I could think of with this level of world building is J.R.R. Tolkien, like yeah. someone oh, yeah. who like actually like made languages and like and like insane histories, <laughs> like yeah. Because uh, like I don't think like yeah, like um, yeah, I don't think I even like yeah. Star, I guess Star Trek, I guess is close too. But I don't even think Star Wars no. is as complex. I, I think I think Lord of the Rings is absolutely the closest and i know that uh the lord of the rings films the Gollum character was what convinced cameron that all of this was possible mm-hmm. he saw that oh lifelike fully digital creation now i i will jump in and say here that i don't love motion capture mm-hmm. i don't play video games and I don't actively go see animated films ever. Mm. So I struggle a little bit with kind of the emotional connection with fully digital mm-hmm. characters. And I struggle with it here. Like the most memorable character for me was uh, Stephen Lang. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's, he's great in this movie. He's uh, a, yeah. he's a fun see. Cause like the character I liked the most actually was uh uh, Natiri, the Zoe Saldana. Yeah, and, and I see that. I see where you're coming from. She, I think she's doing a great performance. It's just, it's, it's so hard for me to get like. I and I know this. This is nothing to do with quality. No, yeah, at no, all. I know, I know, this I is know. just like a personal kind of like area of investment, and this kind of gets back to what we'll talk about momentarily with kind of the Academy Awards light and dark battle that t- took place this year the year of avatar between avatar and the hurt locker kind of the two opposite sides of the universe and how to make a film now i think that that's pretty overwrought and i think bigelow and cameron would say the same thing but i think it's just who you are and kind of what you're attracted to like 
there's even a point for me like I, I'm, I'm very excited I'm to see Avatar 2 mm-hmm. after seeing this but when Jake fully becomes Navi at the end of it there was a part of me that was like oh he's just going to be CG now the entire time <laughs> like that was one of my first thoughts and I like cared more about him in the wheelchair almost yeah. and I know that that's a very singular point of weird kind of specific point of view Mm -hmm. um and i also like i guess we can get into casting if we wanted to but you know sam worthington he's all right he's he's okay he's all right you know he's doing what he can i don't think he's the discovery leo was Mm -hmm. by any me any stretch um but i know you're um i guess we can go take a step back you're 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 a video game guy you're obviously a shrek fanatic you're an animated fan oh i love me um, animation yeah so that kind of that, that i'm sure that doesn't bother you bothers me in the right world but just not really like it, it, it hits you kind of in the way it should hit you i'm i'm the weird one i, no, I fully admit that no you're not weird i think that's because like you know i watched it was funny i watched avatar with my folks and you know my mom was like this is just ferngly like this is a cartoon to me what like, jen says yeah, too yeah like this is just a yeah this is a cartoon and like uh, you know she's not um you know, I think I'm like, yeah, maybe like the first generation of like Americans that are like slightly more open to uh, animation, perhaps. Um, it's not like, and it's like, and I, and I think that the thing too that's interesting is that like the Avatar stuff, it's, it's aged well, but it is not, I think it is like starting to show its age a little bit. Like it is finally at a point where like, cause I remember when I watched this in theaters, it was like, holy shit. Yeah, this is, I'm yeah, sure. This is, yeah, this is like, yeah, this is just like reality. Like it was like in the level of detail was mind boggling. And now it's at a point where like, okay, this is like an Xbox one cutscene, like mm-hmm. a really good Xbox one <laughs> cutscene, but it's still like, yeah, this is like, yeah, I could get this playing halo infinite or whatever. Um, and I, I know too, the- like when I watch films, I kind of like, mm-hmm. like I think like the cutscene-ification of a lot of action scenes and a lot of like movie, like the blockbuster movies these days. I I, I really really am a, I don't like that <laughs> at all. Oh, totally like, fair. Well, and the thing, hey, you know the movie Bloodshot with Vin Diesel, the guy who directed that movie, he directed like cutscenes for video games. And so like I, it's all melding together. I, I like I like being a little more specific with it. I don't like um I don't love like uh long takes that are not necessary. Mm. Like I think there's a huge difference between like how they're using long takes and uncut scenes in like a lot of like Marvel movies these days versus like in There Will Be Blood when the oil Derek blows and Daniel carries HW across the field, that's in a, that's in a Warner, but it captures the moment so perfectly. And you can see Daniel day Lewis is carrying a fucking 70 pound kid as he's doing it. Like I, I, I guess I just, I, I demand like specificity, which I think James Cameron does do. I think he does it better than everyone. But I think if you look at like the specifics and kind of like, even in Titanic, when you see like the shots of like DiCaprio and Winslet on the boat as mm-hmm. it's sinking, you know, you just feel it a little bit more. Well, I think the thing too is like two things. I think in the process of focusing on 
you know, on the in the process of creating this film, he created this insane world. And like we've also we talked about like you know Paul, they got Paul Frommer to design a language. Yeah, they got like a fucking ethnomusicologist to work with James Horner to create music that's <laughs> never been heard heard before. Uh, they got, which is like, all very cool. That's all oh, cool stuff. Oh, that stuff rules. That whips. Yeah. yeah, you know, like and like he's like he named every one of these. Like I'm just on the Avatar wiki right now. Thanator. That's like the black uh, <laughs> like hyena thing. Uh, the Hilo Coradian. This is like a two-page article on the little the little thing he um Sully Jake Sully like taps and then it goes into the ground. Oh yeah. And, and apparently it's like a living it's a it's a a living plant spire that's like animal and uh and and you and you know it's animal and um plant and it's like has a neuromuscular it's inc- it's insane the amount of detail is bonkers all but that the, stuff is super duper neat yeah but then like um i think what happens though is like when you look at you know that that detail is what draws you to i think that is what separates cameron from like other filmmakers that produce these kind of films mm-hmm. like i think about aliens the thing i like the most about aliens is that every uh marine has specifics yeah and they feel lived in and i think um Cameron sacrificed that level of specificity in order to create this world. And so as a result, like the story itself is a little bland and all the characters are a little bland. Also, it doesn't help that like, this is a good cast. Everyone's pretty good in it, but this is maybe like one of, this might be the, and you know, like I said, I say this with a grain of salt because most of his casts are great with the exception of Piranha 2. This is probably the weakest (laughs) cast. Yeah. And it's because they don't have a lot to work with. Yeah, they don't have a ton to work with. And they're, I mean, they said this on The Irishman, actually. Like, Scorsese was like, I'm not going to put them in those suit, those jumpsuits with all the dots. That's going to take away. That's going to make them weirdly Mm self-conscious. And I'm not saying it does to anyone in this movie, but I, if I was in that position, I'd be like, Okay, so how am I supposed to really like feel it and like get into this if I'm dancing around in a leotard filled with like motion capture dots? Yeah, like I'm just like I'm dancing with a bunch of juju beebs, and like some people do. Like Andy Circus is Golem, like one of the best, and he's great. And I think you're you're absolutely right that Zoe Saldana is great. Yeah, she's so film. good. Like I think she's wonderful. Like she 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 gets it. But I think the thing with Zoe Saldana too is she's like. Like, I think what Sam Worthington has to do is almost harder in a way because he has to pretend to be, like, I think it was, uh, I want to see his performance in Somersault. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, in that, in his, in his, in his career is interesting, too, because I, I read that, like, like he's, like, the son of a, a he's, he was a bricklayer who went into acting. So that's, like, a classic, that's, like, the type of thing that Cameron loves. Is yeah, like, you know, oh, his kind of guy. Yeah, salt of the earth type of dude. And Cameron was like, this guy, his performance had like a very, uh, like he was like, this guy's like, he has like that raw, like, I think that he had like a rawness to him or like an edge to him that a lot of other people didn't have. But I think, um, they had, he had to get a dialect coach to learn how to speak like American. And I think in the process that kind of dulled. You can tell he's like kind of struggling to speak properly. I feel like sometimes I don't know. I think... It's a it's a big part that early. I mean, yeah. you know, they said DiCaprio was a risk, but DiCaprio had already been nominated for an Oscar. DiCaprio yeah. had been working for a really long time. I think I think the tougher part here too is that um, Jake Sully is a more haunted character 
than Jack. Jack Dawson is a romantic hero, and he's in essence, you know, he's the man. He's a manic pixie dream boy. Oh, I, 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 I forgot to mention, you know, when I saw Titanic, I I had assumed for freaking twenty years that Leo was the lead of the movie, mm-hmm. and no, it's she's the lead of the movie, mm-hmm. and it like makes a world of difference when you think about that movie. Yeah. Um. But he's like definitively the lead of this movie. He's the character who goes to the change. He's the character who like, you know, takes the hero's journey. And I, I wish like, because he's so downtrodden and beaten down when we meet him. Mm-hmm. And he's, not, he's, he's cocky, but not in a fun way. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. It's like, to me, this is like, this is almost like the little scamp trilogy. Like James Cameron, like you have Terminator 2 and that's like John Connor at age 13, 12. I feel like Titanic is almost like that same like John Connor energy. Like yeah. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio has that like stinker where it's like kind of like the Aladdin street rat, like a little yeah. wise guy. And then I feel like this is like I feel like there's like a, a world where Edward Furlong could have played <laughs> like the Jake Sully character because I think that's like I think he has that like same like you know eat my shorts man. Like he has that energy in the beginning and it, and it's not as cute when you're like thirty. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we talked. To, I think we talked a little bit about it off the air. I mean, I I don't want. I, I again, no, no shade to Sam Worthington. I think yeah. he's doing doing what he can with all of it. But like, I did have an alt casting oh. for Jake Sully that I was interested. I thought like might just take it a little bit over, and I in in this time period and everything. And I I thought Colin Farrell could play Man. this part in like a 2008 Colin Farrell. He would have crushed it, man. I think, because he's got just, like, that kind of... Um, haunted. Haunted, but he's also got the Irish guy. Mm-hmm. He could break into poetry and be very charming at any time. And he, I think he's got, like, the romantic lead side. At least he did. You know, he's transitioned a little bit more into character actor, which he's great. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. But I, I thought, you know, he would have been really interesting. I, I think, I don't think he was in any place in his life at this point mm-hmm. to dive in. I mean, he was, you know, pretty known heavy duty partier and right. Coming he off might... of, he was coming off my beloved Miami vice. How old is Colin Farrell? I feel like he might've been early forties. Like... Oh, early forties. Okay. Yeah. I, I, he he, been the right he, I think age, he's about the same age. Okay. That could but, um, um, no shade to Sam Worthington. Oh and, yeah. You know, and I think they got some nice people, obviously Sigourney Weaver. Oh, she crushes it. Well, that and that's also the Cameron of this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, I think we mentioned a few episodes ago, but Michael Bean was considered for the villain, Colonel Miles Quaritch. Quaritch, yeah, that, what, a, what, what a wild name. What a name, yeah, yeah, very like uh, future future surname. But uh, uh, Stephen Lang's muscular dad, yeah, is really like. Like brings down that he's he's very he's very scary he's a very genuine threat um the, yeah I there's, I, I there's also like shades of like see that's like the thing that i wish there was more of in the movie is like they had this like relationship sam worthington and uh Quartridge, mm-hmm. and you and they don't get to flat like god it's a father-son stuff there a little bit, but like they I could wanted, have. they could have yeah. done more of it. Yeah, I wanted to delve more. Like, oh god, I can't believe I'm well, saying they this. They could have had uh, Sigourney Weaver as a surrogate mother. Oh, true. Too, and it could have done battle between father and mother. If you want to get into the Freudian, uh, that would have been like I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I almost want like I almost wish this movie was like three and a half hour. Like I wish it had like the time that like uh, Titanic had to develop 
mm-hmm. its characters just a little bit more. Maybe like if you had like more time with Cortridge and Sigourney Weaver. And I, I think that um, it, it sure seems like according to kind of the production notes that this was a real risk for everyone involved. So Cameron kind of seemed to want to double down on the effects stuff and the action stuff. Yeah. Because he just did, he was, he was nervous mm-hmm. in a sense about as nervous as he gets, you know, I mean, at the, you know, I, I've Fox actually passed on this movie when he first brought it to them. Wow. And then Disney immediately said they would pick it up. And then Fox exercised their right of first refusal and brought it back. But it, they were all very skeptical because this technology they just didn't think was going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, Gollum is one thing, but an entire movie of Gollums. Yeah, like <laughs> Gollum Town. I don't know. Yeah, going to Gollum Town. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm not going to try and ex- like the production to this. It seems like Cameron's calmed down a little bit outside of the fact that there was a couple fun stories of him. Uh, if your cell phone rang on set, he took out a nail gun and nailed it to the wall. And then uh, he wore a hat on set that uh, had the an acronym that stood for head motherfucker in charge, which <laughs> rock on, dude, as we've said before. <laughs> uh, he can get away with that. I'll, uh, I'll give it to him. I'll give I've it read him. quite a bit about kind of the technology that went into making this. I, it's very difficult to kind of succinctly explain which is yeah. very impressive like the engineering feed yeah and watching it too watching these battle sequences especially like the when the um it's a tree called boy life tree or is it the that, tree of souls there's a lot of when the when the tree comes down and and you know Ooh. kind of a haunting and people have compared it actually to september 11th um i don't know how the hell they did that i don't know how they did that and that's awesome. I mean, that's what you want from your movies. That's what movie magic is, is this kind of like, okay, so how did they do all the effects of this? You know, it's like when you watch uh, the, the like the backwards fighting attendant or I, I watched, um I rewatched Curious Case of Benjamin Button the other day and it's still pretty amazing how they the de-aging and aging process that they went across the board on that and kind of the seamlessness of it it makes you just kind of it does take you away it's the reason why one of the main reasons why you watch movies yeah is to be taken away like that hell like i was talking to i watched speed the other day i was talking to don about this earlier and just like some of the crap they do in speed where like they're like they have all these they have like cars like the bus and like the police swat people just driving right next to each other on uh, freeway uh, having weird combos with each other, throwing people side to side, and mm-hmm. you know, a bus just just, just doing a solid like twenty foot like leap in between I, an empty space of freeway. I uh, speed is you know, digress a little, but there is a difference too in kind of the movie mag- the movie magic of Avatar, where you're like, how is this happen? Like, how are they creating all this? But the movie magic of like when you watch Speed. And it's clearly Keanu Reeves on this little cart underneath of a moving bus. And you're like, how the hell did they do that and keep him safe? I mean, that like, how is this man not dead? Or yeah, like, how do they missing an arm? This? Like, this is cool. This is so cool and exciting. And like, you know, he did the jump from the Porsche onto the bus. Oh man! And it's I mean, 
obviously i just went through this whole thing explaining my like feelings on cutscenes and animation and too much effects that i do prefer a movie with the actor doing a crazy stunt yeah like that's what i want i do want to see that but i mean i still respect this immensely with cameron accomplished in this mm-hmm. film and i and i i know i mean that's why peter jackson that's why guillermo del toro that's why steven spielberg that's why george lucas dropped by the set of this movie they wanted to see how the hell this was all coming together mm-hmm. and it's it's very impressive it took years took genuine years to yeah. get the to, to complete the production on this thing and um i mean it you know the fact that they finished the live action shoot what seems like two years or so before the actual movie came out it just took forever it just took forever and it's um and i have no idea like they they talk about like through the cameras that they could see the the actual animation what the animations would end up looking like through the cameras wow like i it's just it's so beyond like and i you know you got to think kind of think bigger my friend i i am like uh it i'm it's interesting like i will say this movie like yes story is kind of like i think this is like the weakest cameron story probably of all his major films with the exception of maybe true lies um no i even think true lies actually has a better story like just in terms of something that makes sense like i feel like the like especially like the last third of this movie where like uh, Jake Sully ends up becoming like the like the the head of the tribe and like he wait he finds like the the biggest dinosaur and like they're like immediately just like following him like Blood Brothers or whatever like that's yeah. kind of where the movie like loses me a little bit also like um, just trying to make Michelle Rodriguez like I feel like Michelle Rodriguez's character is so poorly fleshed out like kind of a disservice to her honestly and a disservice to her and she is like and I read Cameron with had been a fan since she broke she is truly a Cameron actor oh a hundred percent like I think the like, tough a tough lady you know yeah. who could do it all yeah I mean she's really right up his alley a hundred percent and like yeah it makes you like man i would love to see like uh, a fast and furious directed by james cameron oh god well, damn yeah be like true lies except even higher level oh man yeah with like instead of Lud- instead of tom arnold you have ludicrous yeah. tyrese oof oof that would be cool that, that would, would be really cool that'd be good um but uh it does make me so like yeah i, I feel like even though this movie like i think yeah it has some issues and stuff like that the world he makes is crazy and I almost like view this movie as like a prologue, like two through four, two through three. Like there's two more movies coming out, and like I, I'm so excited to see what he does. Yeah. With the world now that all the pieces are like in play, you know, like I feel like if you can like add the level of specificity to like your story that you do to the world. Yeah, and I know that his goal for Avatar two, he always seems to set like a massive technological goal mm-hmm. for all of his films and the goal for the avatar 2 is they're shooting a they want to figure out how to do it underwater basically wow. like damn. all of what they did underwater um the new cast members for avatar 2 are of course uh cliff curtis who's great oh i love and curtis. um kate winslet is back yeah. and apparently had to learn how to free dive and hold her, her breath underwater for six minutes so exciting 
Also, um, another another uh, another uh, uh, actor I noticed too on the Avatar two list is uh, C J Jones, who was the uh, the death like he was uh, Baby Driver's like death uh, guardian. Oh, that okay. so like what is that? Did fella? I speaking of Fast and Furious? Did I happen to see Vin Diesel? Is oh yes, Avatar two as well. Yes. Oh man, what is happening? Nice, nice, good oh. stuff. Um. But yeah, I think like oh, and all should be should be mentioned, and other programs have talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, this is one of the most left wing movies ever made. Oh, totally. At the scale that it's coming in, it's awesome because of it. <laughs> it fully condemns American imperialism. It's clearly one of the great critical of the Iraq War films. Um, its environmentalism is clear. Uh, it's questioning of corporations and the military industrial complex. It really kind of checks it all off. I did see one right wing article even said they're asking $2 billion worth of ticket holders to root for the United States to lose a war, which is essentially what is happening in this movie. And I don't think it, I think it's, a very, very obvious. Everyone who of the humans who is on Pandora are Americans. Oh yeah, and, also, and or playing American. Yeah, it's it's something. Oh yeah, also like the big bad, like not you know, Cortrich. He's you know he kind of obviously yeah. represents like the grunts and like the military, uh, or like you know like the kind of like what's the What's the name of that um, mercenary squad that's always changing its name? Black oh, Blackwater. Yeah, yeah, very big Blackwater energy, obviously. The dehumanization of your enemy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but uh, but Giovanni Rabisi, just yeah. the ultimate. Like, and it's funny because he plays it like he's like he. To me, he's kind of like Greg Gutfeld. Mm-hmm. This huge Greg Gutfeld energy, just like very like, annoying and quippy he's, in a way that's not really he, funny. He's the um kind of evolutionary Burke from Aliens yeah. oh, in this God. character. Because Cameron, you know, kind of going back to these people, these studio people, these media people, whatever, who are just like these naysayers, Cameron's folly and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All of them are these bureaucratic yes-men who are afraid to take a fucking risk. And yep. Cameron does not abide by these kind of people. He oh, thinks yeah. they are the worst. Yeah, Like, at least with a troop... Or a soldier, he respects the skill set. Yes. He resp- and that kind of thing. He respects nothing about these corporate bureaucrat- bureaucrats, studio executives, just down the line. These spineless hacks who are not in the arena. It's very telling that, like, Giovanni Ravisi never picks up a gun or, like, yeah. does anything with his, like, hands beyond, like, a putt and, or push a button. Yeah. Pretty much like the extent of his skill set. Also, and... oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's all. That's all. But yeah, also absolutely fascinating how he barely defines and certainly does not say the value of the the mineral that they're um, what is it? Um, unupt- unobtainium. Yeah. Like because Cameron says it basically, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just another thing humans want to destroy shit for. My, yeah, my, my, might as well call it MacGuffinium. Yeah, exactly. But it's fine. Yeah. Um, 
but like basically like Patrick was saying uh, everyone was skeptical of this movie and the media and the executives and so forth um, they released it to a absolutely insane and massive media campaign to the point that there was an avatar day mm-hmm. on August 21st of 2009 um, all the way up to its release date um, it was a immediate and absolutely massive sensation we talked about it it's the highest grossing uh movie of all time (laughs) there's not a lot more to be said about its uh financial impact it uh was pretty well reviewed all things considered uh especially i believe it actually had better reviews uh 82 percent rotten tomatoes it might be more impressive on a technical level than as a piece of storytelling True. But Avatar reaffirms James Cameron's singular gift for imaginative, absorbing filmmaking 100%. Absolutely. It's it, it's flawed, but it's extraordinary, which is hard to do. Yeah. It like it's it I think it's like something you should see preferably like in a theater with like 3D glasses once, you know, the, the you full can. experience, the yeah. full experience. And you know, he uh he was looking at the success he said you gotta compete head on with these other epic works of fantasy and fiction the tolkens the star wars star treks people want a persistent alternate reality to invest themselves in and they want the detail that makes it rich and worth their time they want to live somewhere else like Uh, pandora god that's kind of sad it's yes it's true it's true it's also it's grim but true yeah and i mean and you see it kind of with adults dressing up like Harry Potter characters or the almost intense personal reaction to when Scorsese mildly criticizes the Marvel movies. Uh, He he didn't even rip them that hard. He mildly criticized them. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like, I like those movies. Like I don't like, I've, I'll watch every stupid fucking one. Like I'm, I'm that dipshit that will go to every one of those movies. (laughs) And like you know, be mildly entertained, you know, because I like you know, I like my little capes and whatnot. But uh, you know, just you gotta learn how to, just you gotta learn how to like separate yourself to a certain degree. Never become too much of a, you know, be you can be a fan, but just don't be that well, fan. <laughs> you're alive, and I think I mean this is a broad, this is a much much broader conversation that probably isn't even built for our show. But um, yeah, this kind of idea of like. <sighs> personalizing culture making culture kind of the thing that defines you i think and it was weird because i used to really worry that like movies were my defining trait i thought about it a lot like i was like the movie guy in like high school and probably still am frankly but I i was i was genuinely nervous about being considered that way i didn't really like it i wanted to be considered you know don saunderson not the movie guy yeah. You know, in a way. And I don't think like the way people behave these days, it's like not only are you the movie guy, but you know, because I watch the right movies, because Ooh. I watch the right television shows, that makes me a good person. Um again, not really our show, this yeah. conversation. But the good, good news, Don, is you'll never be like the movie guy just just because you have a wife. So like, yeah, yeah, like, true, I think yeah. that, like just like the fact that you're married, like happily married is like <laughs> You've dodged that bullet, my friend. 
Yeah, I get. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on. I'm not on forums. You know. Yeah. Te- telling people how wrong they are about dissing the Irishman. You're not like yeah, the number one Irishman. You're not yeah. treating Irishmen the way people treat uh, Thor. So whatever, live your life, people. Live your life, yeah. Don't let don't let the fact that you watch This Is Us make you feel like you're a good person. Be a good person in real life. Be nice to your friends and family. Yeah, try a fruit you've never tried before. Have yeah, a plum. Go, go for a fucking walk. Who knows? Fucking, <laughs> yeah, start. Um, yeah, don't start smoking. I almost said start smoking. Don't or, do or, or start smoking. Who cares? Just a little bit. It's, it'd be fun. It'd be really like, you want to be contrarian. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, smoking is like, it is cool. It yeah. is like so it's yeah. it's so, it's bad for I, you, but it is cool. I I've, every time they when he used to go to the Golden Globes and Di- DiCaprio was caught on tape vaping during the show and like side eyeing everyone. I was like, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> man, the only person that can make uh, have vape cool is yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Oh, or Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. He makes him fun. And yeah. uh, what's that movie where he's vaping all the time? Uh. Was that the, uh, the the one with Rogan? The, uh, um, no, the Ramin Bahrani joint. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, not the Christmas one with Rogan. Andrew Garfield. Um, uh, Thirty nine houses, thirty six houses, thirty four yeah. houses. Some a number of houses. A number of houses. A number of houses. Oh man, what a good, what a good movie. What a, what a great. Okay, here's. Oh, this is gonna be my out of left field casting for Sully, Michael Shannon. I was thinking, like, well, he he could play a good guy. He could play a good guy. Yeah. Like if you've seen, um, I think it's a favorite of yours too, or you at least like it, Midnight Special. Oh, I love Midnight Special. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in it, and he's a good guy in that. Yeah, I think he can like 100%. And I think like it might be a little, t- he might play it a little too dark. That might be the problem. But like, I think like, like yeah, that wounded. Yeah, because like, I guess like, yeah, the only problem, but like, here's the thing, like, if he's turning into a big blue alien, he doesn't have to be a heartthrob. That's the thing. Yeah. You don't have to look for. You don't have to look for a Leonardo DiCaprio. And you know what, Michael Shannon, he's kind of a hunk. He can get away with yeah. it. Well, he's still he's still a movie star. <laughs> yeah, he's a dang hunk. He's a um, movie star. He would. I mean, it. You know, easy. You know, he do it in his sleep. He would have killed the Giovanni Ribisi part. Oh, yeah, he could have done. He could have done in his. He could have. He could have done the Quartridge part. Yeah, he could have. Yeah. Hands tied behind his back. Yeah, to like. Yeah, he oh. rules. Come on yeah. the show. Just Michael, just play every part in Avatar. Yeah, let's, you want to come let's... on? You want to come on? Talk about some actor we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about in the future. Come on the show. Yeah, I'd love hey, to hear from you. Lo- loved your your bit part in Jesus's Son. One of my favorite. Uh, one more Shannon thing. One of my favorite things was when Shape of Water won Best Picture, and somebody took a photo of Shannon at some Chicago dive bar watching on a big box TV while we're drinking a beer. Uh, watching watching the celebration <laughs> like man this guy's for real this yeah. guy is for real that oh, guy man. he's great he's good. um so it obviously made almost like three billion dollars jesus christ insane Just yeah insane. <laughs> too much money. um it was nominated for nine academy awards mm-hmm. including best picture and best director it was uh it won for best mm-hmm. art direction best cinematography and best visual effects it was uh, kind of famously, we alluded to it, uh, Cameron was up against his ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, who directed The Hurt Locker mm-hmm. that year in both the picture and the director categories. The media tried to make a big deal about it, but uh, apparently they both watched multiple early cuts 
of each other's movies well before any of this went down. And Cameron told Catherine Bigelow, don't change a fucking thing. This movie's great. Mm. And full scale mutual appreciation and respect. Society, Hurt Locker, of course, ended up kind of surprisingly winning yeah. both uh, picture and director. Uh, I was I did not have time. I was actually considering taking a look at Hurt Locker before we did this episode, but I did not have time to do it. Uh, Hurt Locker had a major effect on me when it came out. I was I saw it immediately, and I really, really, really loved it. I don't know. I imagine my feelings would still be pretty strong. Um, I don't know why Avatar came and went for me <laughs> when it came out. I mean, like, I, it wasn't even like the willful like contrarianism that titanic was avatar just came and went i mean it didn't occur to me i think you were like too old for it i think that's like totally fair too i think like it is like a movie i think it is for like uh i don't know i think it is like a movie where like if you're like if when it came out if you were like over like 22 or something i think like it's like if you were above a certain age i feel like this movie went flew past you on the radar it was weird because like i don't even remember my friends seeing it like at at that time like i had a roommate i don't Mm -hmm. think he saw it like i think we were yeah just and it almost to the point that when it was like oh it's the highest grossing movie of all time it's like who saw it? Like, it was like, again, like Pauline Kale. It's like, how did Richard Nixon win? I don't know anyone who voted for him. <laughs> well, well, I think the thing, too, is like, uh, you know, we, we forget that, like, the it's like the highest grossing movie of all time because of the 3D sales. Mm-hmm. And when you, like, uh, factor it, if you just, like, like count, like, number of tickets sold, I think it goes down to, like, 15th mm. or 16th, which is still, but, like, a lot of people, still though. a ton of people. But, yeah, yeah it, it was just, it was just, it was just odd it was like it was like a mysterious thing mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm super happy i saw it yeah um you know i think well i think i'm jazzed for avatar 2 maybe patrick and i will go see avatar 2 together oh yeah in december of 2022 and, and uh yeah, yeah, yeah i will and if the podcast is still rocking and rolling which we're hoping it is yeah uh we'll report back to you we've already talked to you about going to try and figure out a way to go to the theme park Oh yeah, we're gonna try we to ride. We, we want to report back from that. We want to now. I know the name of that animal. We're gonna ride the great Ekron. Yeah, well, full. Well, maybe it's photographs for our Twitter feed. Yes, uh, I'm gonna get one of those weird Navi headtails. Yeah, try to like gonna, put my put my headtail into weird animals. I'm gonna get a cup of Navi butterbeer. Yeah, Navi butterbeer. God. Um, but it, I think I'm excited for Avatar too. Yeah, me too. I want to see it. I think it'll be good. And uh, that's where basically he's been since we last saw him in 2009. He's been working on Avatar sequels. Now, whether or not you feel this is a waste of a great man's uh, limitless imagination just to do these over and over again, I think... I've certainly had conversations with friends about the great Peter Jackson continuing to do Tolkien stuff. Yeah. Or even going back to George Lucas, a very interesting filmmaker who just got mired in the uh, Star Wars stuff. Um, You know, to, to see Cameron spending his, you know, all of his 60s into his 70s 
doing Avatar stuff when you know Patrick pitched a Western, Ooh. a medieval war movie. That'd be good. A pirate, um, a pirate movie. Uh, yeah, like. But if we've learned anything over the last four weeks, it's to underestimate this man. Is to your only to cause your own damage because it's certainly not going to damage him because he's going no. his track record as a filmmaker of truly entertaining crowd pleasing high level spectacles as we've discussed is unmatched yeah and you know as we're heading into the end here we as we desperately await avatar 2 mm-hmm. we're, we're going to end this cameron series by uh we're going to do our back and forth. We're going to rank these things. Now, this is uh, this is not the typical Academy Academy science-based work. Mm-mm. This is just two bros enjoying yep. some time off from tournaments, enjoying some fun movies, and our personal opinions. I'm, I took off my science cap, and I doffed a cap of baseball. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're two guys with popcorn and hot dogs and beers and we're just you know enjoying a good ball game shooting shooting the shooting the breeze shooting the breeze on and watching these epics mm-hmm. from the great canadian filmmaker james cameron we're gonna go from eight to one he's made eight we're not counting the docs we're not counting things he's produced no nah. uh i'm sure those are awesome as well but we're gonna be looking at the core eight feature films sorry xenogenesis yeah don't make the cut uh, your production work on while well, admirable alita battle angel is not invited yeah oh and obviously your work as yourself directing Vinny chase in the aquaman movie on entourage is not being discussed either oh shit i might need to re uh do my re- oh <laughs> right <laughs> let's pause the show we're actually gonna we'll go watch those episodes of entourage and we'll be back um so let's start at eight patrick you want to uh start us off oh yeah uh I, this, I don't think this is going to be this yeah. part is there's not a lot of drama here come on folks it's freaking piranha too <laughs> like we can't we can't beat it i can't even make a goof i can't even lie it's like it's it's uh you know it's fun it's like silly it's a good midnight movie uh you know great you know get you know, crack open a, a beer, uh, get a get a corn on the cob, and just make goofs at it as you watch it. But you know, that's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's it's fine. But I think uh, we'd be sent straight to movie jail <laughs> yeah. if we had ranked it any higher. I also have Piranha Two: The Spawning at eight. Yes. Because you know, God bless it. It's fun. It ain't these top seven though. Yeah. You know, God. It gave us Lance Henriksen, and that's yeah. all. That's all it needed to do. And some funny moments. And I, I never ever thought I'd see a couple that engaging in underwater sex then and then eaten by piranhas. Yeah. I mean, you know, the more you know. Yeah, maybe if they'd gotten their grunion facts right, they could have yeah. gotten hey, a little it's higher. Not, it's not eels. It is not eels. It's not eels. Oh man. Good to um, know. What do you got at seven? Oh man, so this is hard for me. Uh this is a really cause like all these movies are pretty they, they range from like you know, pretty good or great. They, they, they range from like great to like perfect essentially. Yeah, and so absolutely. it's hard. God, I think my seven has to be, and this is controversial. I think, I think my seven is avatar. Patrick. 
My seven is also Avatar. Oh, damn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. 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 I, thought, I, thought I, I thought I was, uh, was going to be alone on this one. Okay, good. I feel good. It's, it's, it's so impressive, like we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, but it's, there's something missing that I actually don't even – I don't think we've been able to define it. I don't know if we're even going to be able to define what's missing about it. I, I think it's just like the – it's just like I think like the level of detail that given to the world isn't given to the story itself, and I think it yeah. suffers a little bit for that. And the uh, emotional connection just isn't all the way there. Yeah, honestly, and it's like yeah, and it's it's harder to like I think I you know as much as I was talking about it, loving Naitiri like that character like I think Zoe Saldana is great in it, but like uh like man like it's harder to empathize with a a weird blue cat <laughs> creature than it is with a normal human. Yeah. Like, yeah just, just hey, hard. we're still we are still normal humans. We don't have our avatars yet. Yep. Naria yes. Yeah, Naria head tendril. Yeah. Well, I, I you know uh, that one kind of shifted around my list, but the second you said it, I was like, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's right. Yep. Uh 6. Okay, let me let me see what I got here. I just want to double check uh, make sure uh, I've been thinking about this. Yeah, I guess six. You know, this is actually kind of this is right. Uh, six is True Lies. Oh, okay, okay. I'm putting six. Yeah, I love True Lies. It's entertaining. It is the movie, and here's the thing: all these movies are good. Yeah, all of these movies. We want to we want to make that very clear. Yeah, all these movies are good. True Lies is also the movie I'll probably watch again this year. <laughs> I think it is like the one of the. Actually, I might watch. I you know we'll see. I'll, I'll we'll talk as the, the game, but like um. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think True Lies is just it's slightly dated. And uh, I think that's like the one thing that's keeping it from getting a little higher. Like, I don't think I'd be like as likely to like show True Lies to like my children in the future than I would uh, uh, Titanic, for example. I don't know. Any of the other ones. Basically. Yeah. But, you know, but like, hey, but once the boy turns 13 or girl, once my child turns 13, True lies, he, they shall be seen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be the rule oh, yeah. of the Grammy. Once, once you're 13, ooh, you can watch whatever damn movie you want. I'm showing you the weird shit. That's weird. I'm not <laughs> going to show you the weird shit. I'm going to show you normal stuff. I shouldn't be ask, a- ass like a 13 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show. I'm going to show my child sallow. Oh boy. Mamma <laughs> uh, mia. Uh, my <laughs> my number six is the abyss. Interesting. I, I really. I like The Abyss. I think it's a little unwieldy, mm-hmm. but I think it's got some wonderful stuff, and it's a genuinely thrilling movie. I think that once Michael Bean, the threat of Bean is off, and that I, I, I think my biggest issue is that the emotional peak happens a little too early mm. in the movie, which the emotional peak we talked about on the Abyss episode is the CPR sequence uh, with Ed Harris yeah. and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Yeah, really wonderful human scene. You can like back to you have all these fancy ass special effects, but two really good actors with one dying and one trying to make them survive without any effects at all are kind of the best thing in the world when it comes to movies. And maybe that's something you've forgotten, Avatar. I don't know. Yeah, but and and no shade, no shade to the abyss, but I just uh, I love, I love love the top five <laughs> so oh totally you know it's go it goes from like to love pretty fast here 
No worries. No worries. Yeah. Um, uh, number five. Okay. Yeah. So this is the one that's going to give me most flack. I think this is the one. And I think you're going to disagree with me hardly. I think my number five is Terminator two. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Which is like, and, and I, here's, it's a great movie. It's like, and these are all like tens at this point. They're all mm-hmm. pretty good. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, what's the word? I'm splitting hairs at this point. Yeah. I think like Terminator two, the only reason I don't put it any higher is it feels like the most out of all of Cameron's movies. This feels like the most studio-y. Oh, interesting. And like, it doesn't have like that, like, I don't know, like it's lacking. Like, I think I just like my films to be a little more like personal and not that the, there's definitely personal moments in this film but this is like the one where like i don't know i just you got that bad to the bone moment it just it feels <laughs> like it, it sorry i can't i don't like that oh moment. that killed you it killed it you killed me but like and then but then it's also just like um it just feels like uh i don't know i just uh, that it feels like it's like such a popcorn Mm-hmm. it's like the popcorn pleaser movie of all the like the most popcorn pleasy of all these movies and yeah. it, and it feels like it's the one that's like because this is the one that was made after the abyss too right so this is the one where yeah. like cameron needed to like you know get his groove back and oh well in the in the in the way cameron needs to yeah <laughs> and, and so uh you know when yeah by groove it's like making a film that you know only that grosses like you know 90 million to a film that grosses you know 500 400 yeah yeah. um so like uh and it's just i think i just um yeah there we go number five that's fine yeah uh my number five is terminator one Ooh, interesting uh awesome movie oh it's so good i don't it's only because i care for the four ahead a bit more that's totally fair uh there's there's no real i have (laughs) no like yeah but kind of criticism yeah of terminator terminator rules it's just it's just an early version of his vision and i like seeing him have all the toys right at his disposal i guess but Mm -hmm. my goodness for someone who didn't have all the toys what he accomplished in this is uh extraordinary arnold is um awesome at like what what i mean talk about his you know, we've mentioned it so many times how he likes casting a little more off kilter or unknowns, but Terminator might be the highlight of it all with Arnold, Linda yeah. Hamilton, and Michael Bean, giving them all their earliest big starring roles and kind of defining all of their styles. Oh, yeah. Even Bill Paxton a little bit. Paxton Hendrickson is back. Yeah. Hey, it's great. Go watch yeah. it, man. Turn, oh, turn, so off our, turn off our show and go watch the first Terminator. And mind you, that was my number five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, the Abyss for me is number four. Oh, nice, nice. And I, and I like this. Uh, and, I, and I just I rate this higher than uh, uh, other movies on the, just because I feel like this to me uh, even more so. I feel like Avatar is pretty personal, but I think this is by far like I feel like this is the yeah. Cameron movie that's like this is like to me this is like what Cameron's like. This is his thing, man. This is like his. This is like Cameron's like the purest distillation of Cameron, like the good and the bad, even. Yeah. And I, I, I love like I also saw like the extended version, so I think the like my the ending I think the ending is like a little more it's like a, I think it, the extended version ends a little cleaner than the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also like having Ed Harris as the lead is great. I love Ed Harris in this Mastriano. How do I pronounce her name properly? <laughs> I think it's Mastriano. Mastriano, okay, Mary Mastriano. Mas- 
we're, we're tired. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like ten thirty. We're we're two old men that want to go to bed. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, like um, just like this scene where uh, Ed Harris is trying to bring her, you know, trying to you know bring her back uh, from her, like you know, from just trying to bring her back to life, essentially, like that should not have worked and that ended up for me being like the biggest emotional moment of probably the entire like of the all entire eight, almost all eight films yeah almost yeah with the exception of, yeah with the exception of maybe yeah maybe it's there's Titanic. Some, there's yeah. some stuff in titanic yeah <laughs> but like it's so and also just like the cast is so good and the, and, and the thumbs up in terminator 2 i <laughs> uh, see i i don't i don't i guess i just don't we'll, we'll get see, there we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. there we'll get there uh but uh but like man like just like uh like the casting like i think like this movie has like a texture that i appreciate and just the mm-hmm. aesthetic like the michael solomon everything being in that like james cameron blue he has such a specific color yeah. view yeah like, that's, that's when you know a director's good man when the director has a palette they got their own fucking color you gotta yeah. love it oh yeah so that's my number four the what was that line in death proof when uh quentin tarantino was playing the bartender and uh they uh he's poured a green liquor called chartreuse for everybody <laughs> and he goes a, a liquor is so good they named a color after it <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa maybe it was the uh, color so great they made the liquor after it i don't know but it was great yeah um my number four is true lies Ooh, uh it's good movie. I, I had done an earlier version of the list which realized was a little bit lower and jen goes follow your heart don you yeah. love you love true lies and i was like i do love true lies like and again like you said like out of all the movies here like in rewatchability yeah true lies man you could throw that on any time any moment in the movie and you're in and you're like i, I love this i'm so sold with everything that's happening, this is so entertaining. The last forty minutes of it are truly gangbusters craziness. Just it, the hat on hat works completely in that part. It's art. Part. It's art in its own way. Yeah, it's just, it is just like art at that point. Like yeah, like unironically saying that. I mean, we opened the show joking about other things they could have done. But that's only because that movie inspires this thought of like, boy, they've already done all this other crap. We could do more. Why not? You just feel it. It's just, I don't know. I, I find it to be such a fun movie. It's one of my favorite, like, light Arnold performances. Uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis is great. Tom Arnold, it's obviously his career highlight. Uh, and the god Bill Paxton. You know, it's just wonderful. I love it. So, uh, number three. Yeah, number three. Titanic, baby. Ah, nice. Such a good, yeah. And, and it's watching it today, I was like, yeah, nah, this is like a perfect movie. I love all these characters. I love all the actors. Um, So many great little things happening throughout the film. Uh, so many fun things to keep tabs on. I feel like this is a movie you could watch like a thousand times and find something new every time you watch it because the scope is so big and the attention to detail is uh, absurd um in a good way like just yeah uh you know i love like yeah kathy bates is great in it billy zane is wonderful uh gloria stewart like the whole cast is exemplary um you know you know uh one of the best films ever made and like you know it's it's surprise it surprises me you know like i feel like like this should be like i wonder like if how high this ranks and all those like afi lists and all that garbage um 
doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. It almost feels like it's underrated now. Yeah, I honestly, it does. Yeah. Like, it does feel like a movie that, like, like just because, like, the scope of it is incredible, and I think people should appreciate, like, something. I don't know. Like, it's just a great movie. So, go yeah. go watch it. Uh, my number three is a movie I texted Patrick after watching it, and I claimed it was better than all 20 movies we watched during the Meryl Streep um, bracket. And that is Aliens. Oh, word. It's my number three movie. Damn. Aliens is, <laughs> is number three. This movie is a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest action movies ever made. Yeah. Like, it is so good. Uh, definitely, I would put it right there with True Lies in terms of watchability mm-hmm. like and rewatchability. It rules. Yeah. It totally rules. Go watch it. Yeah. If you after Titanic and after True Lies and after the original Terminator, go watch Aliens. It's told Aliens like it's number three, but for so many other filmmakers, it would be number one. Yeah. That's how good that's how good this this guy's filmography is. All bangers. All bangers. All, all bangers. What do you got for number two? Uh, number two is your number three, my friend, Aliens. Yeah. And it's Aliens. like, it's uh, such a, it's funny because I kind of went into it. Uh, I wanted to be a little snobby with this movie for a little bit. Yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, eh, I don't know if it's as good as Alien. Like, actually, I think Aliens a little bit. I watched Alien again recently. And I, upon reassessing both Alien and Aliens, Aliens is the better movie. Oh, it's, it's such a tough call, but man. yeah, I mean, a- I, Aliens is more entertaining. I'll give oh, it that. big time. And I love, don't get me wrong, I love Alien. Yeah, Alien and, is a masterpiece too. Oh, it's great work of art. And I do think that like, that's like literally the only reason why this movie is not number one on my list is because is is just that uh, I wish that like some of that like mysticism, not mysticism, but like some of that like, uh, like that uh, the unknown, that sense of the unknown and being alone in the world that uh, Alien had. Like, I wish that a little bit of that transferred to Aliens. Like that's maybe like the one bit of like the one uh, spice this movie is missing in my book. Not a lot of poetry. Yeah, aliens in the same way that in a weird way Alien does have. Yeah, like especially in that begin like that first thirty to forty like you know before the shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Well, it really Scott's a filmmaker like what we were talking about earlier who so specific in their shots. There's nothing willy nilly. The cutscene shit isn't there in these yeah. early films but mm-hmm. it's still like and there's a sadness to them under the uh, surface and there's no there's never a sadness on us like the glory of cameron's films is kind of like they are a celebration of life in a weird way even though they're almost all apocalyptic yeah well it's and like overcoming the odds and like yeah and love and family and friends mattering 100 uh, percent. but uh it's like yeah but uh it's uh yeah, it's like a perfect movie. Uh, the cast is like what it's like. Probably the, my favorite. It's a, it's a toss up between uh, the Abyss and Aliens for my favorite Cameron cast. But I think mm. it's Aliens because just like everyone, it's just everyone's interesting and entertaining. All the small like from like you know a pone is great. Frost is yeah. great. Like every. They're all good. Burke is such a perfect character. Like uh, Paul Reiser, such a slime ball. Like it's all it's all done so well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it make me want to put it number one. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Watch Aliens. It's so yeah. good. Check it out. Uh, my number two is Titanic. I think this, I don't know what I was thinking. We talked about it earlier. I don't know what I was thinking. This movie's freaking great. Yeah. And my snobby ass 13 year old self, 14, 15, whatever, 97, I was 15. Yep. I want to go back and like shake my little shoulders. Yeah. And say, listen, dude, you're not that cool. You're not too cool for school. You're not too cool for Titanic. Do your homework. Go see Titanic. Yeah. Ask, be brave. Ask that girl you have a crush on out. You know, do that. Yeah. Then you can like take her out to the wedding singer afterwards. Yeah. I can say, you know, you know, that was good, but you know who's really good is Adam Sandler. Yeah, you can watch that granny rap. Yeah, I I, I have um Tollbooth Willie memorized. Do you want to hear it? No. <laughs> oh well, I guess we're not dating anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I have the yeah, I have the first uh I have the first two albums completely memorized. <laughs> yeah. I have the have the first uh have the first verse of the Sugar Hell Gang song. Yeah. Uh yeah. but yeah, Titanic's wonderful. Like, oh, it's so good. Don't be a cynic. Enjoy yeah. just just live with it. It's enjoyable. Yep. Uh what's your number one? Oh man, so uh I'm like so I for a lot of directors, my favorite movie is their first movie. Like my mm. favorite was Anderson film is Bottle Rocket. My favorite uh, Quentin Tarantino movie is uh, Reservoir Dogs. And uh, my favorite uh, Cameron movie is The Terminator. Like just nice. the OG. It's just a perfect. I love the aesthetic. It's like a perfect lean piece of film. Arnold is like, yeah, just like is is great in this movie. Like all the all the um, effects in it hold up so nicely. Um, I just really love linda hamilton's performance in this film too how she goes from like you know like just like a run-of-the-mill waitress getting ice cream in her pocket to a world-weary badass like the whole yeah. like the whole arc she goes through it's just it's like a it's a perfect film i love and the aesthetic is so good too i love the aesthetic of Terminator. i think terminator has like my favorite just it's there's like this griminess to it it's like that b house that b movie griminess that i don't think any other um with the exception of maybe aliens, I don't think any other Cameron film has kind of like gone back to like that griminess. Like I would love to see like a uh, a Cameron movie with like that huge bub- budget as dank and dreary as this film. Yeah, it it captures a really great shitty Los Angeles. Ah, uh, yes. Like it's really nice, really yep. nice. And it's like, yeah, and I love, and I I, that, I think it is going to be the other movie I watch, like, multiple, that's the thing about this movie I like, too, is it's, like, it's, like, far less, uh, it's far more digestible than a lot of uh, Cameron's other movies, too, like, like, this isn't, like, a five-hour movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, lean. It's, yeah, it's very lean, comparatively to everything else he ever did. I mean, True Lies is two and a half hours long. God, that is so crazy to me. But uh, it's like, yeah, and I think it's just like, it's like a, the perfect, it's kind of like one of those movies they should just show in film school for like a perfect yeah. movie. We talked about it with kind of the John Carpenter vibes that are coming off of it. That kind of is like great top of the line sci-fi mm-hmm. horror thriller I under, think it's, two, under two hour storytelling. Yeah, and I think it's like, God, uh, and I say this with like, I love every one of John, like every John Carpenter movie I've seen is great. Uh I've watched the thing like 
probably the thing is the movie I've seen the most of my life, with the exception of like movies I watched at Christmas time. Uh, but but I think that like yeah, like James Cameron with his first film, like out carpentered Carpenter. Yeah, it's interesting. To it's a certain degree, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's okay. It's easily up for debate, and it's 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 also pretty late too. So I could be like yeah, talking out of my little butt. Uh, but uh, Patrick's I, not gonna remember he said that. No, I won't. Not at all. I'm gonna wake up and regret. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll will sheepishly edit it out of the podcast. Next <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah. she, she, no, no, staying it. I'm joking. I'm joking. But uh, but uh, no. But it's just yeah. No, I love Terminator. Perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your number one, sir? Uh, flip side of the coin. My number one is Terminator Two: Judgment totally Day. Fair. Um, yes, bad to the bonus cheesy, but this movie had we talked about a profound effect. Yeah. I'm. I am. You know, we started this show talking about nostalgia. We're into, you know, ending season talking about nostalgia. Yeah. Um. Every I hadn't seen it for a while. Beat for beat, I have the entire movie memorized, and I hadn't seen it probably in t- almost ten years. Like mm-hmm. I knew every line, I knew how everything went. Um. I was just as enthralled as ever. I teared up when Arnold sacrifices himself at the end. I get all of the notions of it being kind of the sheen of kind of a studio blockbuster comparatively. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Um, I remember, I think I shared it on that episode. My coworker at silver platters, who's a few years older than me telling me it was a sellout movie. Arnold sucks is a good guy. Way better as a bad guy in Terminator one Terminator two sucks. I remember him saying that, and that kind of put that thought in my head for a few years. I disagree, much like with Titanic and kind of being old enough just to say, you know, this is what makes me feel good. Yeah. Uh, Terminator 2 makes me feel good. I really love it. I cannot wait to show it to my daughter when she's too young to see it. Yeah. And my wife (laughs) coming after me and telling me, what the hell are you thinking? She's having nightmares now. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe just like a, a version of it that edits out the dream sequence. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I I love all these movies. Yeah. I think if we've learned anything, well, I think they're all awesome. I they're can't all, wait. Yeah. Can't wait for Avatar 2. <laughs> like, Dude, I'll be first in line. You know, <laughs> you, I think you said this already in a previous episode of the podcast. That's that's uh, kind of a, yeah, secret. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's, uh, there's all sorts of... Um, we don't even know what Vin Diesel's doing in it. Yeah, he's probably playing Groot. Yeah. That'd be so fucked up. I'd be so a mad de- if that de- A de-aged Groot. <laughs> I'd be so mad if, yeah. like, if, 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 like, Avatar 2 ended and, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy with Thor, like, landed, like, what in the hell planet is this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. That would be it, though. That would be it. And we just say, we would say it wouldn't be any... I would just thank James Cameron for his services over the last almost 40 years mm. and say, yeah. well, at some point we all make mistakes and you've, it, you've had a 40-year brilliant run and now the Guardians of the Galaxy are involved. Oh, well. Yeah. But, oh, you know, I, it's crazy. Like Sigourney Weaver's back. Stephen Lang is going to be an Avatar too. Both of them died. Yeah. Oh. And they're back. Matt Matt Gerald is back. The the one like the bald soldier yeah. that he's back for some reason. So we'll see. We'll see. I is there, there going to be some Nolan esque time elements? 
that was one thing I wanted to bring up too. I love in one of my favorite parts of Interstellar is all of the dynamics of the different um, way time moves mm-hmm. on the different planets they go to. Yeah, and I was curious if Pandora had like you know forty-eight hour days mm. or something like that. I thought right. that would have been kind of groovy, but yeah. you know, not that it would have really changed the story at all, but. Would have been kind of cool. I don't know. That would have been fun like, if they like incorporated that a little better. I bet there is like some sort of like if I went on the wiki and like looked up, I was like, I don't. I'm be sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right. It, it, yeah. it, he has mentioned it somewhere. Yeah, but definitely. All eight of these movies are great. We hope you watched along with us because it was very enjoyable. We appreciate. You know what is this going to be like a ten hour digression from the normal programming? Yeah. So a little more than a palate cleanser. We took it. Yeah. True Academy Academy fashion. We took it too far. Yeah. This, uh, this wafer thin mint became a seven course meal. Yep. Yeah. We originally projected this as being two episodes. <laughs> and now it's a lot more than that. But we're yeah. happy we did it. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and before we close out tonight, though, we are going to, if you've hung out with us long enough and you're like saying to us, Don Patrick shut the hell up about the fact that you guys just wanted to watch these movies and it was a completely selfish task what these last four episodes were sure we want to you want to hear us talk about the next actor that we're going to be covering in our next tournament for the official season two of mm-hmm. the academy academy patrick and i exchange brackets we text about it all the time all the time we have so many ideas. There's so many intriguing possibilities that this could have been. One actor, though, almost upon kind of the saying their name, rose to the top. And we're like, yep, that's it. And it was without really a lot of, didn't require a lot of negotiation or discussion. We were both were like, this sounds wonderful. Would you agree? Oh, big time. And uh, so I'm pleased to announce season two of the Academy Academy starting next week. Uh, We're not not letting you wait. We're jumping right into it. No breaks here. We are going to be taking a look at the filmography, the acting of Al Pacino. Boom. It's not Al anymore. It's Duck. Oh, my goodness. We've heard about him. Shared the screen. With Meryl Streep and Angels in America. We loved him there. We're going to be taking a look at 16 of Al Pacino's top films. The bracket will be revealed next week. We'll talk about some of our bonus episode concepts next week. It's going to be competitive as hell. And I'm very, very excited to see about this week. We are setting up some... We're going to have some new members of the Academy Academy dropping by to help us with these decisions. Some old favorites as well. Returning champions. So we're excited for to have you all along for the ride going into season two. Somehow I'm going to have a baby in the process of season two. So get ready. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild one. There's gonna if you thought we got personal during this weird James Cameron palette cleanser. We're probably going to get weirder and stranger and more vulnerable going into Pacino. Oh, yeah. So like You're having a baby. I'm probably going to start a new Paper Mario game. Yeah. The I mean, stakes are higher than ever. 
the world is changing. <laughs> yes, they say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, if you think that the ambitions behind Avatar 2 are big, season two of the Academy Academy, I think it's right on the same scale to the point where Fox flat out did not green light season two. We're going at it independently. Oh, yeah. We, so, we walked out Stan Winston and James Cameron style. Yep. Yep. We high fived and we said, fuck you. We're doing this you. on our own. <laughs> I'm going to make a sequel to Pumpkinhead, sir. Yeah. See you on the other side, dum dums. Dum dums. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's getting late. Uh, we're excited to see y'all next week, though, to start the Al Pacino bracket. Um, all details will be revealed next Tuesday. So thank you again for hanging with us through this uh, James Cameron palate cleanser. And we're back to the normally the regularly scheduled tournament starting next week. Awesome. Goodbye. Later.